Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Behold the face of fear, the mind of madness. Behold the horror that may soon be champion. I am afraid of what I might do when I no longer have control of my mind. Pray that this man can stop the insanity. Pray for him if he doesn't. Have a nice day. Hello everyone, welcome to Scott and Paul's Ramblin' Podcast. Hello. Scott McLeod here, joined as always my good friend and co-host Paul Byrne. Hello. And this is a very interesting episode here because uh, it's been a while since we've been back on the In Your House train, as it were. It has. As, and the last one we did, I proclaimed, I said this is to me the best one we've done so far. I can't remember, did Which you? one was nine again? Uh, international yeah, International Instant, Instant yeah. Yeah, well, that was a good one. How would you rank that one compared to the the ones we've done so far? Uh, I'd rank that compared to some of the ones we've done, like uh-huh. the, the infamous Sean Bulldog one. Mm. That definitely ranks up there. More yeah. quality matches on that one. Yeah, there were some ones in 95 that really tested my patience <laughs> with, this, with this series. Because, like, you had uh, In Your House 2, which 1 and 2 had, like, one decent match, at least, which mm. we were talking about. Three, I think, was more solid because that at least had two matches. You were talking about. Then you got four with that Diesel Bulldog, and there's no nothing, nothing, no redeemable. I think it's no coincidence that both Brett and Sean weren't wrestling matches on those on that show. That's that speaks volumes to speak to how much actual talent we had at the time. Yeah, because we look at the first three in your houses; they're the ones in the best matches. Yeah, I mean, it's not not to say people like Bulldog. Hmm. And Diesel and that were not capable wrestlers, far from it. It's just yeah. that without Sean or Brett, generally they did not flow so freely. You know what I mean? Sean and Brett were great workers and great working with mm-hmm. other guys. Yeah. Like him and Diesel wrestling Bulldog, that is. Mm-hmm. But they're both guys and they have their own like, talents, but more often than not, they need the right, as a, as to use a wrestling term, a dan- right, right dance part, the right person to yes. lead them. And they, 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 neither of them were really at that point where they were able of leading. Never at the point where Sean or Brett would go, go ahead, I'll let you lead. <laughs> now, now I'm just imagining Bulldog and like Sean or Bulldog and Brett doing a version of that moon dance from Fraser. <laughs> good God. <laughs> good luck good luck getting that nightmare field out of your head, ladies and gentlemen. My dear Diesel in that dress. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Be like a bib on him. Oh. The size of him. Anywho. I don't know if I want to see that much of him. It's going to take more than alcohol or wheat to get that image out of your head, Paul. Indeed, indeed, Scott. So then I was looking forward to moving on here because we have a, I think it's a forgotten classic in the main event. Well, no, well, classic is a strong one, but it's a really forgotten oh, hidden, no, ge- I, hidden gem. I would say, I would, I would say classic. I think watching the match back, it was a real match, you know, real good match. And as per usual, watching it, the main event, to be particular about it was another one where I thought Sean may have legit lost his cool at a few moments because quite a few moments in that match looked quite, you know, mm. typical snarky Sean, you know. I have some things about that to talk about later on. Oh, I look forward to that. Just teasing these, making sure you stick around. Yeah. <laughs> but the reason I was on his and about saying classic, even though it's a great match, is that, you know, saying the word classic, especially in wrestling, has certain connotations for some people. So Very true. It might sound like hyperbole. What is classic to one is Bubgus to another. Uh, yeah. 
Like, like your opinions on the uh, the show and Brett Ironman match. I know you love that match. I appreciate it. But I can see some faults in that others might see, and there's other two, there are people who hate that match. Yeah, too, and too of course I come at it as as well from being a big Sean fan also. So I suppose mm. I have a bias towards it as well. I imagine so. Even even if it's a subconscious bias, it's still a bias. Mm-hmm. Thoroughly. So I think like Mick Foley, this like, area of, my, of mankind, I think he's most known for his fear of the Undertaker, which is still mm. ongoing at this stage. But and also the oft forgotten trio of him, Paul Bearer, and Gold. Goldust. Because yeah. like in late ninety seventy four, we have a mini like makeshift team with uh, with Vader, mm. just because they were both having to be managed by Paul, by Paul Bearer. Yeah. Was it, was it, I don't know, has it ever explained or this thing where he said how Vader suddenly goes from, from Cornet James Cornette to, to Paul? I don't really know how that happens. It just it seemed to be uh, round about the Royal Rumble, wasn't it? Yeah, relatively around that time. Around about that time, and it just seemed to be one of those things like, oh, you're with him now. Yeah. I mean, it makes some sense, you know. <laughs> I suppose. You know, he's a monster, and obviously he wants him to take out... And they go, maybe they, maybe they, maybe a feud with someone like Taker was a way of making up to Vader. Like, sorry, we didn't give you the title, and Sean was yeah. a pissy bitch about it. Yeah. But here, have a feud with the Undertaker, which you're not going to win. Yeah, it's not going <laughs> to go anywhere, and not going to make you look any better. But hey, it's feud with the Undertaker. Yeah, you should be happy. Yes, enjoy the cr- enjoy the scraps from our table pitch. Yeah, I think the uh, reason this match again is for what I think is, this match gets forgotten. I think is because it sneaks, sneaks in there in between matches, by like, no, well-known matches with the Undertaker, so it kind of gets overlooked. But I think it's mm. one of Mick Foley's best like matches where he gets to show himself, even though he takes some nasty bumps in it. Oh, he really so, does. He, he shows yeah. himself more as a wrestler in, the, in this match. He really does. There's a couple of parts of that match as well where he gets some nice sequence going. I'd say, a nice full of moves, you know. Yeah, I mean, I've watched the uh, the match. We watched also the match with Bill Up where a dog and Freddy is. So I watched the match with King of the Ring. I haven't seen the Vader match, even though I know the infamous. Yeah. Infamous yeah. But from what I've seen so far of Sean Stapleway, I think this and uh, just below it, the Diesel match are the two best matches. And you notice. You mean like, the good fans, but yeah. And that's probably because there was a whole. Even though this wasn't officially no DQ match, there were no DQ elements in it. And the Better Friends match was a no DQ yeah, yeah. match. So. It was Sean getting to go out this whole white meat baby face that Vince was so keen to put him into in 96. Yeah, yeah, but see, Sean even Sean himself in the ring even seemed to fight against that, that mould, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. Because there was plenty of times where Sean could get vicious yeah. when he wanted to. Or... Yeah. Every so often, like, the, the, the mask would fade and the real Sean made the real, the real bitchy, <laughs> fuck you, make me look bad, Sean comes out. Yeah. Temperamental, possibly on something. Sean would appear. Yeah, and we 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 that that sexy boy grin would drop. Mm-hmm. You know, Scott's yeah. just being terrified by my cat. He just then popped in out of nowhere. Just as I just wait, he hopped over and like a fucking ninja. He does that a lot. He does. He does. He's a, he's a little erratic like, ninja. Like I said, I didn't grow up with cats, so I'm not prone to their. I'm not. Aware of their mean behaviour, yeah. He just wanders around until he finds a spot, and then once he finds a spot, he tends to wander around in the spot mm-hmm. until he's chilled. Like now he's yeah. sitting down, but I bet he won't sit long. Yeah. But back to where we were. I was gonna say, there's a reason Attenborough doesn't do commentaries <laughs> on cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but uh, interesting thing about this, obviously, we're in the era of, you know. Pay-per-views getting subtitles like within your houses. That is like yeah, yeah. Game. 
internationals and buried alive in the next month. Very true, very true. Uh, That's one I look forward to covering too. Mm-hmm. Buried alive, that was a good one. But mine wasn't supposedly, from what I've read, in uh, Titan Shattered, which is the book covers wrestling across WCW and the WWF <laughs> in '96. And said, the end of the war. Mm-hmm. And says, because uh, they had three books, one for 95, 96, and then 97. Yeah. I'm sad they, didn't keep, they haven't kept it going so far, which is... Because yeah. the, the, the one about 97 came out like 2016, 17 times, so it's been ages since... No, I'm, I'm sad we stopped the raw videotapes after 11. Yeah. We didn't do a 12th. It goes up to 11. Yeah, yeah, Spinal Tap reference. Yeah, yeah, Spinal Tap reference. Only seen that movie twice. <laughs> Which is only seen it once. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, so in that bit, it says that the original name was going to be because of Philadelphia and that it's no reputation for people being tough. It was going to be originally called In Your House, like School of Hard Knocks or something like that. Good God. And the, re- and the reason that it was going to be a tag team match main event of Jose Lothario and Sean versus Vader and Cornette. Oh. Obviously, they chose to eventually do Cornette and Jose in the undercard. Yeah. for reasons. And then Vader just didn't get a match on the show. And because... I'll, I'll tell you something else. Mm-hmm. Although that is on the undercard, the Jose and Cornette match. Jose did alright in that match. <laughs> Cornette was Cornette, but Jose did alright. <laughs> Cornette was Cornette. Yeah. But, so as they SummerSlam happens, Sean loses shit, doesn't want to work with Vader anymore, he pulls yeah. my hair. Yeah. Oh. So they pulled my hair. So, oh. so you didn't want to lose it. Sometimes they thought, again, they thought about maybe him this time, it's maybe lead into Savarius' where he'd win the title. And oh, so they were Sean, still thinking of maybe going with Vader. Yeah, the they're, they're hopeful they could swing Sean around, but no, and then eventually Sid would, would take advantage of this opportunity and get that title mm-hmm. run. Here, what about me? <laughs> I'm so, here. So, so Sid, Sid's probably the only person they probably isn't annoyed about Sean being a bit, because without that, Sid wouldn't have got the chance to be the WWF champion. And I wouldn't have got a joyous SummerSlam 96 moment. <laughs> I, I, I love that moment when Sid wins that title win. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just the crowd reaction for him. It's like, yeah, who's the man? <laughs> so let's get changed to mind games. And originally, uh, because of, on house shows, uh, Sean was working with Goldust in house shows as a replacement for Vader. And so no, they te- we were originally going to put Goldust in Yeah, and I think I mentioned this in our Goldust, the red bed of it. That so cool. And like... They were, t- again, they gave in to, you know, panic about, oh, they were already getting complaints about, you know, the homosexual but- <laughs> vibes, I'll say, of the gold that was portraying. But, so, so again, they said, ah, oh, Mankind fits this form. Let's put Mankind in there. And probably a better one because Foley kind of was, I think it started in the early 90s, so it may have started either just around the time of Sean, because Sean, obviously, you forget the Rockers were around in the early, late 80s. Yeah. So, so like, He's not still a veteran, but he's someone who's kind of experiencing can help Sean. Yeah, rock, Rockers have been around until early 92. Hmm. Well, we talked about that in our number 92. Yeah. Because it was like a week before the Rumble that they broke up. It was. Yeah. It so was. it's a good time for McFoley because it just goes to show how well he, he kind of, you know, appealed himself, uh, for lack of a better word, to, to Vince. Mm. Just like coming in so hot with this Tiger feud made Taker look great because he was one of the first proper threats to Taker. Yeah. And then gets rewarded through the circumstance with this WF Championship match. Because Vince was going like, we want a freak, but we don't want a kind of poofy freak. <laughs> Who knows if Vince said those exact words, but you know. Well, that was a gist of a conversation, I'm sure. I'm sure it was. I mean, to be a fly on a wall in there to see. We want the freaky thing, but we don't want the gay freaky thing. Mm-hmm. We don't want him touching Sean up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though there was a, 
there's already accusations that Sean may or may not <laughs> have been touched up by Vince. <laughs> well, I was going to say that he was gay. There was there was all sorts of rumours about Sean at the time. Yeah, there was. Like in '97 or like in '96, none of none of the rumours involved him being a, a prima donna drug addict. Mm. Well, like it's funny because like in the '96 and like '97, like they try like portray Sean as oh people don't just don't understand Sean like oh he's flamboyant. He's the most they don't like him because he has long hair and wears earrings. Basically, they're doing everything to say like. People don't like him because they think he might be gay. Yeah. Literally, they ran that down your throats. And hopefully, no no jokes to be made about that. He really did turn himself round when he went and managed to go heel after SummerSlam Mm -hmm. 97. Mm -hmm. He definitely turned it round then. Uh, So, say, between the international incident and this, we had SummerSlam. I have the SummerSlam results if you're interested. For? 96, SummerSlam 96. Oh, 96. Well, I I know Mankind wins. Yeah. I know Sean technically wins by DQ. Mm-hmm. So we got here Stone Cold Steve Austin on the free for all after his '96 win. So despite what documentaries might tell you, it was not instantly Austin V16 then defeated with Brett. Yeah, uh, he defeated Yokozuna in just around five minutes. Yeah, because Yoko fell off the damn turnbuckle. Uh, Owen Hart, fat fuck. Owen Hart defeated Savio Vega okay. with his cast <laughs> for a reason. Uh, the Smoking Guns retained their tag team titles against in a four-way against the New Rockers, the Godwins, and the Body Donners. Well, we knew only the Godwins had a chance of winning that. Uh, Maybe the Body Donners, but not the New Rockers. I mean, I've never seen some of them. It's bad. You've see never what... seen it? No. God, I've seen no. the Boiler Room match, but... And the very fact that you have the network available to you, you should really give it a try sometimes. There's so much wrestling, but well, it really is. It really is. Uh, but I'd like to see it just for this match. Psycho said defeated the British Bulldog. I just want to see that. That's a good match. That'd be it's worth it. Match. It might not be a. You might not look at it and think that's a great match, but you go, that's a good match because it happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. it's a good match because it happened, and I've got to see it. Uh, Goldust defeated Mark Merrow. Uh, good. They set that up at uh, International Jerry Lawler, after months of uh, making fun of Jake Roberts' alcoholism, defeated Jake Roberts. With alcoholism. <laughs> because, you know, the heel wins, I don't know. He hit him in the throat with a bottle of whiskey. Oh, how unfortunate. But yeah, Mankind won the Boiler and Brawl after the betrayal of Paul Bear, which we'll cover mm-hmm. on this show. And yeah, John Michael's. Retained the WWE Championship War Raider after somebody down shouting, Move! Fucking move! Was it was it a disqualification finish? Was it? Or uh, was it a time finish? No, 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 he just beat him. Oh, just said he beat him? Yeah, he just beat him, I think. I think he would have said if he was by DQ, no, I think he just beat him. Oh, he just beat him. Yeah. I bet I just beat him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he beat Jim's Co- Jim Z Cornet with a racquetball bat after <laughs> that, too. Yeah, possibly. But we're we're rambling as we do. But getting on to this particular in your house, this is like you say in your house ten mind games. Yes. And despite all the back and forth, we eventually the main event will be mankind mm-hmm. n- newly joined by Paul Bear. Uh-huh. Versus the Heartbreak Kid. Yeah. I think Undertaker like he he's announced that you'll fight the Oh, fight goals, because this is a weird error, error of, of the WF where they just randomly announce, oh, by the way, so-and-so, or these people are fighting on their pay-per-view. <laughs> Very little of a story, but we'll tell you the story over the next few weeks. I don't like you, because we now have a match. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, they say, oh, like, we must all wrap up this on Terry Gold thing, so I don't think Tiger actually appeared a lot on TV between us. I think he was 
selling the fact that he was betrayed. He was wounded by... Uh, was he at home with his tissues going, I can't believe you did that <laughs> after all this time. I can't believe you've done this. <laughs> uh, so, I loved you. So you got Mankind on TV kind of bell up for this match with, with Sean. But the, we got the free preview to take place on September 22nd, 1996. 11 days after I was born. Before I was 12. Mm. Good for you. September when? 22nd. And my, my birthday was October 24th, so what's that? Uh, uh, just over a month. Uh, oh, just over a month before I turned 12, hon. Yeah, just about a month or so. Yeah. <laughs> We're educated men. We can we can add yeah, numbers. So just over a month before I was twelve, and just over a little. How long after you were born? Eleven days. I was born on the eleventh. This you is were, the twenty-second. You were eleven days old, and I was eleven years old. You're, That's a trip, man. <laughs> you're, you're what? I'm. I was one day for every year you were alive. How weird that is. I my eyes are barely open. I can tell what wrestling was. It was not a concept. I was even known. That's a trip, man. It's I know. Really it's really weird. But but here, all but all these years later, here we are. We can comment and call Sean Michael the bitch. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm high too. So good for so, you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna smoke a little more. Uh, we got is it the Core State Center with the brand new spanking and spanking new Core Defense will remind us of you as you are good with your knowledge and <laughs> such. Do you know if it is still there and still cold that? Hmm. Well, 50% of that, it's still there. It's now called the Wells Fargo Centre. Oh, has that been used as a wrestling venue a lot? I think so. I'm pretty sure they often run that venue when they come to Philly. I'm pretty sure AEW have been in Philly a number of times, so I'm sure yeah. they would have used that venue. So, so it's a, definitely a wrestling venue then? Yeah, well, Philly's a really well-known wrestling bill. I think other than this, obviously, if you want a smaller at least show, Dubs in Philly. At, at ECW, like, Arena, the 2300 Arena, it's really not, that's the other most... More famous arena from yeah. Philadelphia. Uh, we'll talk about ECW in a little bit, but but I think it was one of the first shows that they also must have ran here because they keep calling new. I think they did the same with the United Center when they ran it for SummerSlam '94. Funnily enough, talking about ECW, well, ECW is featured in this pay per view too. That's what I, I just said. There. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know the good thing about Paul is as a co-host, he listens. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Uh, who we got? We got. Oh, the attendance wise was thirteen thousand people, and the Wells Fargo Center, then called the Core Stadium, capacity is relatively around. I can see the maximum, depending on what event, is around twenty thousand. So, mm. bit of a gap here for the show. But despite that, it's still Philly, so the crowd were still very loud. All they were, yeah, yeah. So, still Philly. Uh, the buy rate was around one hundred twenty thousand, which I think is up from from uh, international incident. Cool, cool. Which was I think the lowest. So far, even though the quality of the show didn't reflect the low buy rate, yeah. it was a quality show. And we had uh, JR, Mr. Perfect, and Vince on commentary. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew that the King was commentated, so I thought, okay, well, JR, Vince, and then I didn't expect to see Mr. Perfect. We saw him yeah. uh, at the second half of Boo Dog, where he and JR commented the second half of the show. Not, not a terrible commentator, Mr. Perry. No, he... no, he was not. I thought he, I thought he was a great sort of color commentator, kind of, <laughs> you know, because he was, he was never really a heel commentator or a face commentator. He was just yeah. kind of, you know. Yeah. Yeah. He was the rare tweener commentator. Yeah, yeah, and it's interesting because, like, uh, I like, okay, I like the the three man booth of Jr. Vince and King when they when we really get it. And we will be yeah, seeing that yeah. bit after this because. Uh, 
Yeah, that Vince, lasted for quite a while. That yeah, one, yeah. Yeah, I think actually, I think so. Up until uh, from this until Survivor Series when Bray gets screwed, because that's when Vince becomes more of a on-screen actor yeah, to make man. Yeah, yeah. So then it just goes on to be Jr. and the King, and who would know? Who would know that we'd had that duo for years to come afterwards? Yeah, didn't didn't Vince uh, commentate on WrestleMania fourteen? No. Did he not? No, no. he did not. Was that just Jr. and King? Yes. Ah. See, we're learning things today. We are, we are. <laughs> I'm biting into a very uh, giant skull. <laughs> Where hard can you speak at the same time? Oh, the curse of giant skittles. Damn you. <laughs> Damn you, skittles, if you went so tasty. <laughs> <laughs> this would usually be around the part of the show where, where Paul yells at skittles to sponsor us and calls them bastards. <laughs> Sponsor us, your rainbow bastards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, where hold that Sir phrase? Walk. I was gonna say, where hold that phrase doesn't get taken out of context. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsor us, your rainbow bitches. Sponsor us, we love the skittles. Rainbows. Stop it, stop it. Bitches. Oh, anyway, have you ever seen that clip from that? I think it was a 2006 or so Raw. Where if JR overdoes it on a on a Skittles sponsor, Raw is brought to you by Skittles. Skittles, they're fruity. My God, they're fruity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, think, think if you saw JR Giant Skittles, he'd fucking shit his pants. Oh, anyway, man. where were we? I can't remember. Oh yeah, commentary. Commentary, yeah. Commentary. And I like, but I like the scene that we usually have, or we are going to have on this, because, like, yeah, Vince is the, hello, I'm the third table face commentator, I'm the little, oh, look at that move, what a maneuver, I'm hello, definitely biased. I'm Vince. I'm biased in favour of Shawn Michaels and other baby faces. You have King over the top, oh, I hate all the good guys, I love all the bad guys, and you have GR who's kind of in the, the middle and he'll do the, the proper play, like, I actually know what these moves are called and I can give you some background on these people. Well, that, that's what it will become, but on this one... Yeah, but this, on this issue, like, over the next couple of issues, I think even we get it to, like, past, just past Survivor Series or something like that, you have a bit of more heel side of JR. He's, like, taking just digs at yeah. events every so often. JR is the one that brings <laughs> Razor and Diesel back. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that, because uh, the Raw after this is a very noteworthy one. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about it later on, but we had a free-for-all match of... Savio Vega defeating Martin Gennetti in 5 minutes 22 seconds. Yep. And post-match is attacked by Justin Hawk Bradshaw, who's annoyed he's not getting a pay-per-view mm, match. JBL. Mm-hmm. Or Bradshaw, or whatever you whatever like. You Blackjack Bradshaw. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah. Some of, people one call. of the new Blackjacks, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's annoyed. I would love to have seen them going somewhere, you know. <laughs> he's, he's annoyed he's not getting on pay-per-view, so Savio challenges him to match on... Uh, to open minions, but he says, but it has to be a Caribbean strap match. This is where they can remind us. Oh, Savio Vega is undefeated in Caribbean strap matches. Like, it was weird enough when you said it against Steve Austin, but now it's even stupider because, like, he's technically only had one that we know of. Like, so saying he's one for one is not really the, mo- the most impressive record. No, not really, but it's a very standard, you know, mm-hmm. what you would expect from a Savio Justin Hawk Bradshaw match. Yeah, uh, we'll get into that in a second, but like, I like the fact that. WWE did not learn their lesson because the last time they had a pay-per-view, key pay-per-view in Philadelphia was King of the Ring 95. Uh, notoriously panned is one of the worst pay-per-views of all time. <laughs> and they had Sabio Vega wrestle four bastard matches on that show, including a, a qualifier to get into the King of the Ring on the kickoff, yep. and then open the show in his first fair match. And so, like, you think you would have known, 
you think you would have learned from last time, give people a bit of a break when, when they have Savio in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, but although Savio... Yeah, that's, that's saying nothing against Savio, though. I mean, Savio was decent. Savio was a decent guy, and I think he, he does get forgotten. I think through the course of this, I've realised that, you know, he, is, he was fairly decent. He had a lot more to offer, anyway. Yeah. Well, you, you forget Los Bariquas. I do forget Los Bariquas, mainly because I can't, I, can't, I keep forgetting who the other guys are, like... There's oh, the one with the hairy chest who nearly got who's got his career in because edge lantern on his neck. Well, you've got Savio, you've got one looks like the jumper for, jumper for skin, <laughs> and you've got the other two. Yes, <laughs> and the other ones. Yeah, Savio, the hairy one, and the other two. Of all the factions during that gang, we're saying they're the ones that have the more forgettable members. I think well, other than Savio, who did you have? You had you had uh, the DOA. Yeah, you can name that everybody in the DOA. Crush. Chains, eight ball, and skull. skull. Mm-hmm. And then you had, uh, yeah, the yeah, obviously the nation. Oh yeah, the nation. That was. But then it would have been uh, Farouk, Rocky Maya V. Everyone that started. I think they briefly had Damed, but with Rocky Maya, yeah, D'Lo, Kama Mustafa, and then later yeah. Mark Henry. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah, the Truth Commission came over in there as well. Oh yeah, the Truth Commission. Yeah, mm-hmm. it fucking. Uh, Sniper, Recon. Sniper, Recon, uh, fucking Cargan. Yeah, the Jackal. The Jackal. There was another one in there, but, you know, because mm-hmm. the Jackal was more so a spiritual leader. Mm-hmm. After he took over from the Commandant. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know such random, yeah. pointless crap about wrestling. Oh, so people tune in for it, is it not? <laughs> we are the wrestling anoraks of podcasting. <laughs> the what? The wrestling anoraks of podcasting. Oh, okay. You know, like an anorak, someone who knows more than we need to know about everything. I didn't know that expression, but thank you for teaching it to me. Well, you're welcome. I may have even got it wrong, but that's how I'm using it. I, I just thought anorak in like, what, in the, the weird form of clothing in the anorak? Ah, he has found his perch. <laughs> Brian's dressing gown. He's trying to climb inside the dressing gown. Why are you going inside the dressing gown? It's like, it was a lot like Dexter. My Dexter is not going to come with my mum, goes out for Dexter to go find one of my mum's slippers and bring it into his bed. He's, he's going inside the dressing gown. Why? What an audio commentary this has turned into. You will not fit inside the dressing gown, cat. You should probably just leave him to it. But another th- what we were talking about before that, uh, I we were talking about Savio. Yeah, yeah, Savio. Before we get to Savio's match in the opening of main games, uh, Fully, I was surprised. Like Sean did get a fair response. I would have worried because all the Philly can be ruthless, much like New York. That felt like oh, this is a couple months before the the Sid match that mm. Sean maybe would have been booed to you. But I think no, he got a very fun. He got a very favorable response. Yeah, and I think uh, hopefully try to help ways to get some heat on himself because he did a promo in front of the Liker and the free throw. Don't it? I worked my way through bingo halls in this very city. People cheered obviously because they said because also ECW that's got to. Mm. And I worked so hard. Gave my body so I could come here and I would never have to go back to those rotten bingo halls. <laughs> and boom. <laughs> He's like saying, I wrestled in Philadelphia so I didn't have to come back to Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, but we don't have the typical upbeat in your house. In your oh, house. I know. It's a very, Thank God. It's a very dark, like, look the minds of what will be the minds of this maniac on that mankind. And- <laughs> it's all like, 
Ooh, ha ha ha. Mm-hmm. He told in the face of fear, he said, Shawn Michael, is Shawn Michaels our only hope? He said, can, can this man continue... Stop fucking Hema. <laughs> <laughs> can he continue to live his boyhood dream, or will he wake up in this man's nightmare? And then he got the hype for Goldust and Taker, goes that's the free rate of man. He said, the Undertaker is always... In the master of mind games, but he's never met anyone quite as bizarre as gold. <laughs> he's not met anybody quite as gay. <laughs> he went, can he? Was the thing he goes talks about and the, these men in the meeting in the theater of the mind, or like that. Like they undertake, and it, oh, they do imply though. Like, they talk about gold. That's basically imply it and talk about how he basically preys on people's gay panic, which is what the gimmick is known for. And so like gold, that's he. Uncovers his opponent's hidden fears, but the Undertaker fears no man. <laughs> ah. So, yeah, so it's decent like imagery, even if it is really we break it down bollocks. But I like that they're making an effort for these two matches. Yeah, we don't have we don't have a kitschy song, yeah, but they do have a big Friday background, uh, with early 90s computer <laughs> graphics. Yeah, and I like it. And you got the, the I like the skull with the mankind mask over it, that was mm. pretty cool. Uh, well, that's on the side of my cassette. Uh-huh. That's yeah. the logo for the show. Yeah, we open the show, we can hear some, you can't hear some loud EC dub chant because uh, Paul, Paul E, or Paul Heyman, uh, Tommy Paul Jimman, e. and, yeah, and, and the Sandman mm-hmm. uh, have all made their way to the ringside as uh, part of an agreed upon angle to help promote ECW. They were trying to you know, start their own pay per view, they would get it in the early 97. I think. This would have been near enough the time of the mass transcendence, which kind of delayed their you hopes mean, for. You mean you mean the fact that the Marine wasn't real? No, no, it wasn't. Oh no! <laughs> I think Ben was kind of annoyed about the fact the last time they were there, the main event, well, not the main event, but the King of the Ring final got hijacked by ECW chance, <laughs> and so he tried to, you know, do a bit of a quid for cool kind of thing here. Yeah. But I like that they play it off as real when they mention them. Yeah. When they get involved, but we'll talk about that in a second. But we had. Just, I felt bad though, because happens. Er- their interference happens early in the match between Savio and and Bradshaw. Yeah, and it kind of takes people's focus away. I feel bad for for these guys because they're trying their best, and it takes a while for the crowd to actually get back into it. Yeah. So we have uh, Justin Hall. Uh, Justin Hall Bradshaw comes out with uh, Uncle Sebakaya, yeah, or Dutch Mantel, whatever you want to call him, comes out. We haven't really talked about him in a lot of in terms of like modern WWE on this show, but we did talk about him as uh, Dutch Mandel when he commented on the god awful heroes of wrestling. Or Zeb Coulter. Mm. Yeah, but he was on Heroes of Wrestling as Dutch Mantel. Yeah, I know, I know. So he come out and then Savio cuts this very fiery promo like, You wanna match with me on pay per view? <laughs> and he's talking a mile a minute and then As he did. And then he talks about it in Spanish or whatever and he's ducks and all of a sudden these music plays he kinda has a look and said like, Oh no, I must go. <laughs> <laughs> the other ring, it is my cue, it is my time. <laughs> and he just runs to the ring and Bradshaw attacks him before they can get the, the strap tied around mm. their arm. I, I tried very hard to say before they could get the strap on, but you know. This... <laughs> 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 I'm not going to go there, even though technically I already have. <laughs> so, but Bradshaw's just whipping him like Bradshaw's the kind of guy you want to see in this game of match, like the mm. strap. You know, Obviously, years later, he would beat Eddie Guerrero in a, a Texas bull rope match. Mm-hmm. which was a, a very bloody affair where he won the WWE title. And uh, they brawl. Eventually, they get the things tied around uh, Savio's waist and 
after stopping uh, Bradshaw from being down on Harvey Wilkman randomly as the referee. Mm. Yeah, so, uh, well, he was a referee in what in that time period? Yeah. Well, he wasn't the best. He wasn't the most successful in terms of managing, was he? I mean, look, nah. at, look at who he managed. The Warlord. Yeah, the Warlord was cool. Kamala. They didn't manage him. Bertha Faye. What? Bertha Faye, didn't he manage her too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He managed Sid, but not to victory over Hogan. Mm. So... There we go. And so they go to the outside, you have a cool moment where Bradshaw's pulling him around the rope, the post, and he's choking him. And that's where you spot the ECW guys. And Sam just cracks a beer open and just kind of spits some like beer right in, mm. in Savio's face, and he gets into it. And immediately, the security is there, and people are saying, ECW. <laughs> and uh, they play it off as really, oh, there's some local wrestling out there clearly trying to make a name for themselves here. <laughs> DR got done very early. So like, oh, any but people, these people go will do anything for their fifteen minutes of fame. <laughs> all, even though all the while they were uh, they were paying them money and also they made an agreement mm. to be here. You'd have one in a, co- a couple of weeks later on Raw, where Taz would come out randomly just in the match, all the scene up to our game scene. Sabu fears Taz, and they had security really getting out as if he was like just a fan <laughs> that ran in. Again, try to play it off as as really David acknowledge what the sign said or anything like that. Mm. Also, it's built up to a few before WrestleMania thirteen, where they'd have a raw in the the Manhattan Center where ECW guys would appear again. Ah, and you'd have like guys going back for for a wee while. I think it's through the deal with ECW that they hire Tuchel Scorpio to become Flash Funk. Oh, yeah, which is interesting. But uh, obviously, they get they get the guys back in uh, and. The guys go back to the ring, they get well easy, the guys are being kicked out, and they do their best to get, get the guys, the crowd back into it. Savio hits a cool looking spin kick, which is, his, I think, his best move, yeah, uh, before eventually getting kind of cut off by Bradshaw. And also, these matches can go through kind of a pattern, and I've, I'm famously, I've said that I'm not the biggest fan of usually these matches, but no. I really enjoyed the match with Steve Austin. This match, I don't know what you think, it wasn't as good as the Austin one, didn't get as much time as the Austin one. No. But, uh, I thought it was still good for what it was as an opener, you know. Yeah, it was still still an opening match. Yeah, uh, even though I didn't like the fact that they basically I, the joke that there's really only one finish you can do in this type of match, and they did it in the Austin one. And guess what? They did the exact same one uh, in this match. It's only it's like there's only one real way you can have a face winner: a strap match. Mm. Uh, well, I do like HBJ also, you can see the, especially, you can't really see it on Savio because he's got a shot on, but you can see it when Bradshaw gets what you see, like, the red marks mm. on him, but he's not selling much, he's like, big, tough, text and ball, <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, and so, Bradshaw does he like, big, big text and, like, Longhorns, he puts it up and he gets a loud boo, and I think that's when he cuts Savio off and does that, that's when the crowd really start, like, getting back into even though this, like, gimmick was, well, I think this gimmick weirdly... Before JBL was one of the more closer ones to David Bradshaw, because you'd be like, I'm, I'm big, I like to beat people up, I'm from Texas. <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, Bradshaw does the typical thing, oh, I'm touching all three corners, but oh, the babyface is behind me, and I didn't realise, he's mm. touching all three corners. And then Savio, he grabs, he grabs there's a bit of a bag of water, a tug of water, and then Bradshaw actually pulls Savio in the way that he goes past him, then to... Mm. So it is exactly the even though I think the Austin one played it off a bit better. What do you think? Uh, what did you think of this match kind of overall? I mean, the, it only went seven minutes, seven seconds, so they kind of it was a 
it was like the if the Austin match was in a bit of like a fast forward. Even then, I'd say a good two or so minutes were taken up by fans looking in the direction of where the ECW guys were getting kicked out of. I mean, for what it was, it was good. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty much all you can say. But it was a strap match. I don't ever actually remember there being too many of them. No, I don't think there's and any. And the ones that Savio were in, he generally won. Mm-hmm. That was the only kind of, like, elevation Savio ever got, other than being in Los Bariquas. Yeah, he's not the kind of guy you'd expect well, to have. No, he, he, got injured, he got a career-ending injury in Tough Enough. Huh? Yeah, Savio Vega was involved in Tough Enough too. Alright. And he got a career ending injury in being involved in Tough Enough. Huh. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. I heard that somewhere. I don't know if it's like a I'm thing, pretty sure I've seen him wrestle like in recent years. Like, yeah. Maybe it was like yeah. well, one of those lot, things he came back from. Yeah, maybe. So, I mean, a lot of people have had career. And you look at Edge, Brian Danielson, Nika, people here yeah. thought their career was over. I still find it odd sometimes when you say Brian Danielson. I've got it, Daniel Bryan yeah. so locked in my head, you know. It's really not the most creative when you really think about it. When you find out his name, real name is Brian Danielson, yeah. and you realise they're really like, oh, you need to, we need to change it so we can own it. I'll call you Daniel Bryan. You basically just flipped it around, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't the, the, the American Dragon, too? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't own that, do we? No, they don't own that. He's still got that. He's got, yeah. When he came back, his first bit of merch was basically kind of a dragon-like symbol. It said the return of the American dragon on it. Mm. That's pretty cool. Very good. Yeah, so I, w- I was annoyed when I, fought, when I saw these W involved because while it's cool for especially for the Philly crowd mm. who might know more than like more people around the US who are watching Bayview because I was like, ECW isn't as widely known unless you're like, yeah. a proper like hardcore ECW fan. fan, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like we do directors are you do like the tape trading kind of thing. Mm. But I was kind of annoyed that it, it was done in this match. All oh, well, why did you have to do it in this match? Even though there was real much of a story in this one. Uh, but when you look up in the card, unfortunately, these guys kind of got a spot by default because uh, there wasn't really any other matches you could have easily slotted this spot mm. into. So you're thinking like Savio and Bradshaw were a bit hard done by? A little bit. Hmm. Mrs. Avio, like, people cheer when he gets beers put in his face and then he, he wins and, like, there's a bit of a pop, but, like, mm. even then I don't know how invested the fans really were for most of this match. Well, you also have to factor in the fact that it's the, <laughs> it is the opening match. It is the, you know, the first one on the card. Yeah. Not everyone's going to be hyped for it. Everyone, you're going to get people that are there, I like, oh, I'm here for this match or I'm here to see this person. Yeah. I don't think there's any interaction with ECW in the brief role, so I think it's like as a free role then in the pro package starting, that's when they also got Polly and like the mm. ECW to come and sit there and then then they were very much gone after that. Yeah. So it's obviously that quick spot. So I think it was like the idea of getting the hardcore fans on like, Oh, did you see what happened? Like, because they probably at the time would have thought it was all for real. Mm. Mm. Uh so it was interesting to see that. Uh, then we get a, a match all the matches I to get a promo package, I didn't think it'd be this one. <laughs> we got a promo package for Jose Lothario versus Jim Cornette, mm. which I think goes about as long, if not longer, than the actual match ends up going itself. <laughs> Where the whole thing really sums up what this feud between these two is, if you can call it a feud, is in that you've got Cornette just shooting and balling and basically doing all the talking, and then every so often you see Jose Lothario like, I, I don't like Jim Cornette. I, I think he has a big mouth. I'm going to I'm going to shut you up, Jim Cornette. 
I've not heard a lot of Jose Lothario speaking, so I'm basically just I'm throwing this impression together at the last minute. I never said impressions were my were my main talent. <laughs> You're doing great. Thank you. <laughs> and then there's just a shot of a thing where Rory just shoves him, and that which gets up up because people don't like Jim Corner because no. he's a fit. Well, both then and now, but for varying reasons. <laughs> but uh, uh, and people like Jose Lothario because he's called Super Sock. <laughs> what? That's what that was his nickname. Huh. Super Sock. All right. He. So before that, before the match actually happens here, we've got the commentators chatting, and then they say, "Oh, oh, oh something is something is happening backstage," and they have the the cameras go backstage, and Savio Vega's being beaten up and by Razor and Diesel by Razor and Diesel. Okay, by Rick Bogner and Kane and Glenn Jacobs. Yeah, yeah. And they basically run away. They they, they clearly shoot you from the back, and as the cameras getting close, that's when they fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> And then the camera person runs up to the little door and goes, Oh no, it's locked. Oh no, how will I ever get through this door? Oh no, Savio Vega's on the ground in pain. <laughs> so, uh, and I've forgotten about this because I wasn't sure if it was after Mind Games or after Buried Alive that this happened. But uh, yeah, the very next day on Raw, uh, we were promised, Oh, we're going to have Razor and Diesel. Are going to come back? They're coming back to the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> it was Jr. who was saying then. That was heel Jr. Yeah, and like the promo where he introduces the uh, Razor. You don't see Diesel to the following week. Yeah. Where he introduces Razor, that's the official heel turn as it was, which a lot of people have commented on that they didn't like. No. A, a heel Jr. and that, and see how because like when you hear him speak, he's just such like a good old boy. A good old boy Jr. Good old Jr. and. You don't like you because like usually you have to root against your heel contest because they usually spout shite, i.e. Jerry Lawler. Mm. But you don't want to you don't want to hate Jr. No, you can't hate Jr. Especially given half the shit that he says about where he books funny like Vince and that. Uh, he's more often not he's saying stuff that's accurate or it's actually stuff like ah, yeah, good on you, Jr. <laughs> don't take any of Vince's shite. <laughs> <laughs> like even joke, makes a joke about Vince being indicted during the. Uh, during the strap match, <laughs> which, which I think I think a comment which I think would have went over a lot of people's heads, and uh, Vince Mead was trying to do these. Uh, oh well, uh, uh, let's, let's, I'll try to move on from that. Let's not comment on that. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just Vince McMahon. I'm, just, I'm not, I'm not in any question of authority. I'm just good old commentator Vince McMahon. <laughs> yes, Vince. I'm, I'm not Mister Man. I'm Guy Incognito. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm just a humble blacksmith. <laughs> uh, so the next night, Jr. comes out and he like any promo and say like he's you're actually right well, from when he turns he turns heel and quote unquote because he talks about like I have no loyalty to the damn World Wrestling Federation because I left the National Football League when I first day on the job and at WrestleMania nine and they say hey well why don't you, you wear this it's a toga you're you're good in a toga Jr. I left the damn NFL for a toga. <laughs> Uh, and then he's, he talks about Vince being jailed which is why he was taking off commentary he got fired and then he talks about his barrel's palsy and Vince being unsympathetic and he even calls out Vince as the owner and yet people say oh it was 97 in Survivor Series where Vince was finally outed as the World Wrestling Federation owner like JR blatantly told you about that a year ago <laughs> why is no one talking about this because in, it didn't happen that's why I feel like Mikato, doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> and then out comes uh, Razor, he should, as he's coming out, he's like, how you like that, McMahon? 
and uh, he, as soon as the camera gets anywhere near his face, you're like, that's not Scott Hall. <laughs> it's, like, it's like if Scott Hall was looking at his reflection in the back of a spoon, maybe. Maybe, yeah. yeah. So, Rick Bogner comes out, and you easily tell it's not and then it's like it's even more obvious when you see Glenn Jacobs, because God bless him, he tries his best, and he could pa- do a passable impression of of Kevin Nash, but Rick Bogner trying to do the whole... Uh, you know, Cuban like Scarface esque accent that Scott Hall yeah, stole the Chico thing. Yeah, was was just not because he was like it's one thing Scott Hall doing it, but like Rick Bogner was Canadian, was he? Oh, Rick Bogner Canadian and trying to sing some semi Cuban and trying to be as cool as Scott Hall. It was just it just didn't work. I'm the bad guy, eh? <laughs> 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 Don't say hello to the guy. How you doing? I'm the bad guy. <laughs> so, like, how many episodes in a row has it been? Like the last few weeks where we've made we went into jokes about the Canadian accent. I'm gonna carve you up, eh? <laughs> There's a reason I'm pretty sure I saw the last analytics I saw was like you have like what one percent of Canadian people listeners are from Canada, and we're lucky to have even have that with our. Impressions of Canadian people. Do you know if we keep up with our bloody Canadian impressions, we won't have any Canadian listeners. And I'm sure, and I've heard, well, I've heard Canadians are some of the loveliest people in the world. They are, but we you do we, talk funny. We shouldn't try to be making accents. It's not a good thing because we suck at it. <laughs> we do. What was weird between this and between this preview, Megan's on roll every week. They had a very awkwardly positioned tombstone with the with the words "buried alive" on it. The fact that people had to walk around. Ooh. The way they ring. Uh, and well, people haven't even walked around things. <laughs> oh. I'm just saying. Oh no. Walking around things. You're a dick. <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> How do you start it? Fuck off. <laughs> anyway. Also, on the episode of Raw, for some reason. We got the Swissy Lothario match, right, we see it after this match, but I'll talk about it now. In the Superstar Lee Fook and Mark Merrill. Yeah. They were in the finals of the Intercontinental Championship Tournament. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Ahmed Johnson got injured the night after uh, International Incident, so they did a tournament for the new IC champion. So they wanted to do a match at SummerSlam, not even doing a match here. No, they wanted to do a match on Raw between these two, which Mark Merrill would eventually win. Yeah, with the Shooting Star Best, have a brief... Like, I think he'd lose it by Survivor Series to Hunter Helmsley. Yeah, he didn't hold it for very long. Uh-uh. He, he, he didn't hold that Intercontinental title much longer than Matt Cardona did. No, no, he got a few more weeks than Matt Cardona. I suppose Matt Cardona got an evening. Ah, he only got one day. Poor bastard. Aye. At least he got it, though. At least he got it, yeah. But he got his moment. Because <laughs> it's weird. It's weird that they wouldn't have... Uh, Farouk win it because I think he was words of the plan was Farouk versus Ahmed for the ice detail at SummerSlam but obviously Ahmed got injured yeah so Romero wins it because obviously they were very high on him they paid a lot of money to get him in from WCW couldn't use his character <laughs> so then and quite soon afterwards they, I don't know what it was maybe I don't know if they severed on him or whatever but he loses it to Hunter Hurst and I think uh, seeing as like when Hunter wins the title that that's him basically like okay you've had your time with the dog here he's losing to Josie or Gail or whatever, the stalker, and all those crappy gimmicks, you know. Now you've been, now you've paid your dues. You can have the title. Uh, have, have your belt now. Because you're better than Mark Merrill anyway. 
you know, there were a lot of people, Jim Cornette especially, who weren't happy about that. Like, oh, like, I don't think he's he served his time nearly enough or whatever. Uh, so they weren't happy about it. But obviously Vince's decision at the end of the day. Yeah, Vince was like, fuck, he's my decision. I'm, ge- I'm letting him have it. Uh, so that was seen as Triple H getting out of the doghouse. So it was weird that they didn't choose to have the IC title match on the pay-per-view. Mm. Would have been a big moment for Mark Merrill to get that one on pay-per-view. Well, maybe it's nice that Farouk didn't have to wrestle on pay-per-view in that stupid gladiator helmet. Yeah, well, that's a great thing, because I, I don't think that would have been good. No. Mind you, I'd have rather that one, you know, Sonny. Yeah, well, yeah, Sonny was randomly managing him, which yeah. didn't make any sense. How did she find this weird futuristic gladiator to manage? And so he loses here, and then what happens to his potent guns later on, it was a bad 24 hours to be a <laughs> client of Sonny. Yeah. Or just be Sonny in general. But... What I didn't like about this is that basically this is just a shortened down version of what happens with Jerry Lawler later on, where Jim Cornette comes out and this, uh, how do you describe the gear that Jim Cornette is wearing? Oh, okay, um, <sighs> you know, it's it's hard to really, because, you know those, those Christmas baubles you get? Yeah. The kind of look like material? Yeah. Those, those kind of fancy ones. Mm-hmm. He looks like a trans. He looks like a fancy Christmas ornament <laughs> in shorts. I thought he looked like a walking licorice all sort. To be honest with you, a walking licorice all sort. My my description was so much more artistic than yours. <laughs> yeah, well, you thought he looked like a walking fat dick. <laughs> they got some compared him to the Mitchell Entire. One of the commentators compared him to the Mitchell Entire man. Aye, aye. So, you know, it's nicer than that, but it's weird red and black gear. He's coming out to Vader's music, which isn't as ill-fitting as 60-year-old Jose Lothario coming out to Sexy Boy. <laughs> Although I think it's not as funny, not as bad as Shawn Michaels bald and cross-eyed and he's late 40s coming out to Sexy Boy. Did he do that? Well, yeah, he's, well, he's never changed his theme. Oh, he should have just come out to the DX music. He shouldn't have come out to his own. <laughs> oh. Like, uh, he, don't, he don't look right nowadays. Yeah. Like, I was listening to a podcast and I'd be like, like, I was talking about, it was joking about the Hardy, like, why, how long do we have to call him the Hardys? They're nearly in their 40s, for God's sake. It's like, sure, Michael's still calling himself a sexy, but like, you're an old cross eyed man. Hardly boys. <laughs> Hardly boys, you're in your 40s for God's sake. <laughs> anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up. But like, yeah, he's reading this really weird red and black gear. He's coming out yelling about, hurting him ball. An old man yells at Cloud about how he's going to beat him up. They just gave him a special training. Uh, no, they didn't have. <laughs> they didn't have history when Jose Lothario was at school. He's that old. <laughs> he's making those kind of shit jokes. <laughs> you yep. know. It's very rare you can... He calls himself, I mean, as the younger man. It's very rare for John Cornette to be in a situation where he can refer <laughs> to himself as the younger man. <laughs> he has to find someone as old as Jose Lothario. Mm. And it was how short this match mercifully was, I hesitate to think what a match, what a tag team match centered around these two, along with their respective clients, would have looked like. Jose was good. Well, he only did one thing, and that's punch. Yeah, that's why he was good. But yeah, I was gonna say that because I think it highlights what he, what he really wasn't that much capable of at this time because he was in his sixties and probably shouldn't have been having a wrestling match. He looked in better shape when Jim Cornette did. Well, Cornette's a shape, round, round is the shape, isn't yeah. it? He's a big shiny red button. 
Yes, yes, he basically is. And he comes there and he goes, I'm going to show oh, that Jose Lothario thing or two. And so Jose hits a, just hits a series of punches, which ironically given he's the trainer of Shawn Michaels, that Cornette sells like Shawn Michaels oversold for Hulk Hogan. There's a thing where he gets sent to the outside, he sit, he, where he gets thrown in the turnbuckle, he over there like, Ugh, Ugh. Yeah. And then he gets one final just punch, which he looks around, people cheer, and then he chooses to cover Jim Cornette. He kind of just falls on him. One minute, one no, not even a minute. Fifty six seconds. This went. Is that it? Fifty six wow. fucking seconds. I tell you, the pro package probably was a few seconds longer. So was that like this. was that Jose and Cornette's version of an Iron Man match? Very much. I mean, it was for Jose at that point. <laughs> I mean, Jim Cornette didn't wrestle that much. He fucked his knee in the early nineties during a weird scaffold match in WCW. I know it was a match between the uh, Road Warriors and it was the Midnight Express. Midnight Express. That Express right. Because he was hanging from the, the scaffold and... Yeah, he, he, like, he landed wrong, his knee just came yeah, out just as soon as he landed. Knee buckled. I've, I've watched that. I've seen that on my Road Warriors DVD set I had. Yeah. Well, as I said, after this, he had the superstar line with uh, Farouk and Mark Merrill. And like you say, well, Farouk with Sonny and Aye. Mark Merrill with, uh, with, with a bitch. <laughs> oh, it's sort of Sable. Mm-hmm. I mean... Did I say that part out loud? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she clearly had a lot of work done, as you can see in her later years. And like, I remember, I remember watching the Rumble the other day with some people, and they were talking about probably isn't like, Sable's good. One of them said, Sable's still looking good for age. I went, No, she fucking isn't. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that Royal Rumble, by the way, this past Royal Rumble. Uh huh. That's. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was very good. I've got to say, though, <laughs> Roman Reigns. Beat the shit out of Seth Rollins. <laughs> he, he, yeah. Yeah. There's one way to turn a guy heel, it's to have someone else beat the living, not, well, turn a guy face, because <laughs> I assume that's where we're going with Rollins now. If there's one way to turn a guy face, it's to have the heel beat the living piss out of him with a chair. I think it was a case of, like, he's such an annoying little shit and got in Reigns' head. He's one of the only people who can still get in Reigns' head so much that Reigns just couldn't let go. Yeah, so decide to beat him senseless. I know he's going on immediately back in the thing with Brock, but I think it's a good thing to explore after WrestleMania with uh, Roman and said basically like, ah, but I won that by DQ, so still it's a case of you've never beaten me one-on-one. Yeah. So he's still got that hang uh, over his I, head. I, I tripped out so much when he came out with the shield music yeah. and with fucking flat stuff on it. I was like, holy fuck, the only thing he's missing is the I, I was going to say, everyone was saying that, and we all joked in it, and when we were watching my pal Allen, so it's like, Oh, why did he not bring back the blonde tree? When we all do it, I bet you he wants to do it, and Becky tell him, no. Like, you're a dad now, you're no fucking having the blonde tree, can you? <laughs> you're a dad now, accept it. Uh, and she is the man in the relationship <laughs> after all. Uh-huh. Uh, I strongly believe that, you know. <laughs> well, she calls herself it, so, you know, it must be true. Uh, uh, but I-, I thought it was good, like, the the mixed tag and then the men's rumble were both were le- real letdowns for me. Because the men's rumble, more than anything, was just it was just boring. <laughs> I mean, the women's uh, rumble probably, when you compare it to the other women's rumble, maybe wasn't the best out of all of them. But oh, when the you compare it, was decent. Right, it was good, but when you compare it to the men's rumble this, of this year, it looks so much better by comparison because they had actual, well, they had a lot more actual moments. And the ones that were like, yeah, Ivory coming out right to censor Ivory. I have to disagree with what most people are saying, though. Uh. Most people are saying, oh, she looked just the same as she did. No, she didn't, because she looked totally compared to how she looked. <laughs> used to, she used to look. When she was standing next to Rhea Ripley or anything, Rhea Ripley would dwarf most people, to be honest. 
I know, but she used to have a bit more bulk in her arms, you know what I mean? She was yeah. bigger than. Yeah, but uh, I love you. Fucking Molly Holly. <laughs> I love uh, just cutting the whole promo and then she's, she's talking as you've been like, picked up, like, don't you put me down now. Yeah. Women! Women! <laughs> <laughs> Women! <laughs> I love when Ronda was in the ring and then Shayna made those music cuts and he cuts to her face like, that's my friend. That's my friend. Some people's face are the best when Bad Bunny the keep... Fucking, the fucking Bella twins. <laughs> and oh look, they betrayed each other again. I don't like the one we had Alicia Fox in there because they briefly remind you, oh, I mean, we used to be a three-woman team and then they were all like, yay, Team Bella, and then they both went, nah, fucking, they pushed police off the apron yeah. anyway. But... One thing, one th- person's facial expressions I loved in that rumble before we move back on to what we're maybe talking about. Because, <laughs> like, like, other than, like, because oh, I liked the, the Lashley match and the undercard. Ah, that was like good. I said, like, after the last match, when you had those last two matches, they, that's where the thing just fell off a cliff for me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I couldn't give two shits about the big tag match, to be honest with you. And then the men's rumble bored me to tears. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it was the most boring rumble since maybe 2015. Uh, well, at least Johnny Knoxville was in it. Yeah, dressed, dressed, I think it was maybe some sort of tribute to Andy Kaufman, he's deal. Uh, but this face of baby was in Bad Bunny came in. Mm. And fucking, uh, fucking Mr. Kingston fucking up his Aye, only, his took, only took him ten years, like, all of you quick to judge him, like, 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 even if he made it, it's still going to fuck his ribs landing like that. And it took, it only took him ten years to fuck up, give the man the break. Oh, which apparently is why Big E was thrown out with no fan for because basically Suez Kofi was gone all the Big E spots were done out the window. Mm. So, were they supposed to eliminate one another or some kind of thing? Well, I think they may have like he maybe he was made to play a part in getting Kofi back in the ring and then they were gonna eliminate some people together or whatever, so uh, who knows. Who knows how I but, like when Bad Bunny came in and still looking good for a non wrestler like hitting Canadian destroyers on full <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he lies he's lying in the corner and then brought those music heads that cuts to his face just to say like, I want to promote my new tour, but I don't want to do it this much to get thrown about by Brock Lesnar of all people. <laughs> Bad Bunny made it to the final four. That's going to be a weird trivia question in a few years. The 2020 men's final four were Brock Lesnar, Drew McIntyre, Bad Bunny, and Shane McMahon. 2022, you said 2020. Okay, 2022. All the years seem the same after, the last, after Corona. It's all melded into one. Yeah. Time one, is a flat one, circle. One merge of craziness. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we've we've veered off topic. I don't know why we were talking about. This. Oh yeah, we're talking about the rumble. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, so then a weird kind of break from the action comes out. Don't know why we needed this on the pay per view. Could have given us time to maybe I don't know uh, the the strap match. Yeah. But out comes Brian Pillman, who we really talked about him a lot on this because he's really recently came in. Uh, yeah. He had, a, he had a spot on King of the Ring, but I don't think he's really been. Was it, was this? Before or after he had the cane, because uh, he came out and he didn't have the cane then, so I don't know no, if he was hurt he, after that or. I think he was still hurt. He had a bit of a limp, but I don't think he needed the the cane anymore. But I don't think they knew how long it was going to be until he was back in the ring. Because yeah. again, they paid a lot of money to get him in as well. We did. And then just after he signed his deal, he, he fucked up. And... Yeah, I seen the, I seen the documentary. Pretty hard hitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm just fixing something on my phone. Okay. Uh, so he comes out, and basically, I think they did. See, Vince had the goal to call, to, to, he claimed in Canada, like, oh, I didn't really think you meant that the Razor and Diesel were coming out. I thought it was some sort of ratings ploy. 
when really debuting them on Raw the same day after the baby that you've got an IC title match it's clearly a Vince rating fucking ploy yeah. and then clearly a, a ploy to get ratings for and buying rates for this pay-per-view but by Brian Pillman all but basically saying implying that oh yeah Bret Hart's going to re- return a mind games when he wasn't like Bret obviously out after WrestleMania he did a couple of European tours he'd done a tour of South Africa but he wasn't on TV he was too busy trying to be an actor and yeah, lose some yeah. I've do you know I've never seen an episode of that. Yeah, of a. I d- I don't feel like I'm missing anything at all. I, I think it's one of those shows that we wouldn't have heard of it had Bret Hart not made an episode. As wrestling fans, we wouldn't know about it. Unless yeah, yeah, it's just if one it wasn't of, for the, Bret. We know of it through the fact we know Bret. Yes, I can't. Just again, I don't mean to again keep making fun of Canadian people. I don't mean to honestly. I love Canada, but just have Bret, you ever been? No, I'd love to though. Oh, cool. I'd love to go to Canada. Anyway. Playing Canada, sorry. I hear, I hear Lee, Lee. like weed in Canada. I hear they do. I'd like to go to Canada. Yeah. Not just because of weed, though. Yeah, I'm sure. Anyhow, but, uh, Brett is a Canadian cowboy trying to do, yeah, cowboy, but, but every so often that Canadian accent just slipping out. <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe that, like, I'm sorry, but yeah, you're going to have to move along. <laughs> I'm going to have to move along, eh? <laughs> but basically, and then I, can't, you got, I can't not do it, eh? You got to a, a video of Brett, basically. No, he doesn't have the... He's, he struggles sometimes you know, with if, promos. If, any, if anyone that listens to us is from Canada, we really don't mean no offence <laughs> by it. We're just idiots. I mean, as, of all people to make fun of accents, Scottish people are not the kind of people do throw so stones no. at this particular glass I house. mean, I, I sometimes watch uh, Americans <laughs> reacting to Scottish comedy. <laughs> Nine out of ten of them have fucking subtitles on. <laughs> you know, and I sit there mildly with and go, like, I can understand you. Why can't you understand me, ya prick? <laughs> and there goes our American listeners. <laughs> ya prick, yes. There's a video from Brett. He's not the best at promos, I don't think. He, he usually never was. No. But then this point where he's basically, he's just giving a camera like, say something bad about Brian Pillman, say, well, they deny his claims or whatever they probably said to him. And he just repeated it. He just finally knew, like, no, I'd never said I was going to be at my pay-per-view. You're a liar. How dare you, Brian Pillman, and all that crap. And then Brian Pillman comes out of the ring. He said, oh, and he promised Bret Hart. And then he brings, he calls Pittsburgh and talks about, like, he's up. He calls, Take like, time. he says about Philadelphia. He like, basically calls that sewer. Well, obviously, he mentions drug abuse, domestic abuse, and welfare check collectors, which is pretty dark stuff to be mentioning. It, and I technically still new Janish to WWF television. Very true, but remember, Pillman didn't give two fucks. I think Vince was like, again, this is Vince did me to like, well, why be controversial? But every time someone says something, he's like, oh no, no, I'm, I'm very sorry, no, I, I regret doing this. Yeah, it took him a well, you remember, you remember near the end of his promo when he does that too. I think it's actually. A couple of these actresses that they do the infamous Pillman's got a gun angle. Is it really? I think yeah. it's. I think it's part of. In in part, it, ones I think, either after this or after main uh, buried alive, because it's part of the build to uh, the actress survivor series where uh, Brian Pillman gets Pillmanized. Also, that's where it came from. Where where Austin puts the chair and he's like stamps on it. Yeah. And you uh, just also it was so it'd be going be called Pillmanizing when you did that with a chair, and. So and it's the one week where they don't talk about the Brett. Well, somebody did all about 
Austin Wilde get his hands on Brian Phil and Brian Phil being angry and also they do the various things where he's like if, he go, if Austin 316 shows up he's going to meet Pillman 9mm mm. <laughs> uh, so you know when, up there in one of the most controversial moments and uh, apparently some very some people in TV world were very angry at the WWF for this whole I angle I think why no no well maybe it's the fact that mid, uh, well, the bit where he breaks in his house and he points the gun it's where they go to commercials so they left people for at least a good minute or so wondering, hmm, did Steve Austin just get murdered on live television? Yeah, I can't think why we would have thought that. People aren't silly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so as if kids watch it who take everything at face value and believe that this whole thing is real. Of course not. No, no, not at all. <laughs> why would why would such a thing be true? Hmm. But then, so, so filming basically, the moment uses when the guys, him and Austin, use the guys to be about Tesla Wars of people being controversial and all that, but... He calls out Brett. He brings out Owen Hart, and he's all about, you know, my brother Brett. He's not, he's too scared to show up here. Like, like I thought you guys patched things up. No, he's always been jealous by brother Brett. I know he's scared of you. No, not me. He's scared of Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> and they bring out Stone Cold Steve Austin. Looking, he's not doing. He's not. He's still not. Have, doesn't doesn't really have his classic Austin like glass shower music. But no, he's still got the, but, but the, he the looks, Ringmaster music. But he looks like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Often that we know. He's got the vest. I think it's the first time you've seen him really with the vest. Yeah, the vest and the jeans. Yeah, he comes out. <laughs> Comes out with the ringmaster music. I think he'd already challenged kind of Brett to a match, but this is where he really starts like teeth nipping at Brett. Like, come on, Brett, yeah, fight yeah, me! Yeah. Come on, come on, bitch! Mm-hmm. Come ahead. Yeah. <laughs> he starts like running down Brett, going on my car. He goes, and one of one of Austin's best lines from this era goes, <laughs> "Oh, you put the letter S in front of him, man. You have my exact opinion of and Brett." That, that's when Vince goes, "No, no, we oh. d- we don't want to go there." Oh well, we apologize for that. <laughs> Even though he didn't, he didn't even say it. He danced around at you. You, you finished it in your own mind, Vince. Yeah, Vince. Mm. You dirty old dickhead. Didn't say it. Can't get mad. Didn't say it. Can't, can't get, get mad. mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fucking childish, man. Yeah. He called, he basically, so he starts talking at Bret Hart, and he says, if you come out here, somebody, you show you up back here in the W, somebody's going to get their ass kicked, and ain't going to be Steve Austin, and that's the bottom line. And then Pelman has to get the last word, so as he's leaving, he goes, and p- the bottom line, because Pillman said so, is that Philadelphia sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and then he lost his. And then we get this random bit. Mark Henry going a little sightseeing around Philadelphia. Yes, just like looking at the Liberty Bell and, mm-hmm. all sorts. and other things that I can't quite remember. Yeah. Like, oh, look at this place in Philadelphia. And look, there's Mark Henry and his weird red, white, and blue cap. Mark, yes. Mark Henry holding the map and looking off into the distance. Looking off like, I don't even know where the hell I am. <laughs> yes. Huh. I have this map. Where will I go? <laughs> Which oh, way will I go? I will go to the Liberty Bell. And then other sites. Uh, so then, Owen was just out here, but then he comes back out, but sadly doesn't come out to his music. We have to have him come out to, uh, to rule for time to Bulldog's music, as Bulldog and Owen are getting ready to challenge for the WF Tag Team titles. Hell yes. And an interesting thing happens, it doesn't get doesn't get revealed until uh, like Raw following this, but you see Cornette backstage all feeling like, oh no, I'll... He's, he's feeling like he's injured, even though he takes a couple of punches from a 60-year-old man. Yeah. And then Clarence Mason like wants him to sign something, like some legal thing, <laughs> and he signs it, and he thinks it's maybe somebody maybe filed a lawsuit or whatever. It's revealed that, really, he signed away the managerial rights to Bulldog and Owen, so now Clarence Mason officially <laughs> manages Bulldog and Owen. So basically he stole them from... Yeah. So now all he has is Vader, and then Vader will go, but I don't know how long 
uh, Clarence Mason managing these two would actually last for because because Savaris usually debuts alongside the the nation of domination and he'll mm. be kind of Farouk's manager up until King of the Ring where he's eventually the night after King of the Ring where he and everybody else in the nation other than D'Lo gets fired. Mm. So it's only only a temporary thing, but yeah, Clarence Mason fucked over Jim Cornette. <laughs> Typical lawyers, you can't trust them. No, no. <laughs> but so the bot, uh, so it's Morgan Guns managed by Sunny. Yeah. So Morgan Guns are another underrated kind of team because from what we've seen in them, I remember in Rasmussen they had that match with the uh, with the Body Donna. They mm. were quick. That was a solid match. We've seen them in a couple of good ones. We've seen them again raised in the one, two, three. Could have a solid one yeah. as well. Well, you remember three tiny tag champs. Three tiny tag champs. I think this is their third and final reign yeah, as the champions. Be, yes, would it be. would be. Because it would not be long after this. It would split, I believe. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get to this. But like, it carries on from what we saw at the, uh, the interactions of the match with Billy kind of getting a bit close to Sunning. Yeah. That annoying Bart. Because Bart gets to the ring and he looks back and sees Billy walking chatting to study he's got his arm around her and everything you see Bart like shouting like come on let's go on little match yeah, on. and it's a really like, fun, like Owen's not got his cast on anymore because he's been using that as a weapon as we mm. talked about uh, but the quick scenes between him and, and Billy uh, which causes which ends with Owen hitting a quick cross body and Bulldog comes in. Bulldog looks pretty good in the mode where he does get in so. yeah but I was going to say Bulldog's looking really quite like flowing in this yeah. match, he's looking crisp. Yeah, yeah, he's working bits on tonight. He did, he did. Yeah. Just, you know, something people accuse him of being a bit sluggish, a bit slow in the ranked times. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could accuse him of that in this match. Yeah. He was yeah. he was on point. Yeah, he gets in it with Barr and he hits a drop kick. Now, it's not exactly a Randy Orton esque, you know, not the most crisp looking drop kick, but he manages to leave his feet temporarily for a big muscly man yeah. and a drop kick and fucking Vince. Screams his pants like it's the best thing he's ever seen. Or, oh my god, he had a drop kick. What a drop kick. What a flesism from the bulldog. Mm. And then like he's got bar control and then Owen just sneaks around the other side and just chop blocks Bart. <laughs> and then that leads to Bart kind of getting watered over and that's kind of the story of the this first quarter of the match. And yep. It's weird to think about because like he's getting worked over and technically Bart's the only face here because he's rightfully annoyed at, at Sonny and Billy even though Spring Guns are technically a heel team. And Owen and Bulldog are an established heel team. So who, so who exactly the Philly crowd were meant to root for, I have no idea. Maybe yeah. the Smoking Guns. It seemed to me that the Philly crowd were rooting for Bulldog and Owen mostly. Yeah, even though they were the ones working over the injured leg of Bart Gunn. Yeah. Working, working over them. Uh, you know, there was a point where Billy just goes, ah, fuck this, and grabs Bulldog and the just shoves him out of the, the steel mm. steps at one point. So, uh, they, so... There's a point where uh, Billy keeps trying to come in. Typical thing, like, oh, I'm accidentally causing a distraction, and so the heels are going to be at my partner some more. <laughs> they tried and tested, and it makes sense for the story of the smoking guns falling apart, because obviously Billy not realising how much uh, how much he's really damaging the team yeah. at the minute, so it makes sense. Also, we forgot to mention at the start of this match. Oh, yeah, yeah you want to mention this? Yeah, when, when uh, the guns were coming out, mm-hmm. Bulldog and Owen dropped a big... Mm. Huge flag of Sunny. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know. And basically they'd drawn all they drawn like a beard or something. Yeah. Like <laughs> and Sonny was just having the fella like, no, oh come she on. Was like, oh come on, that is not cool. And like the camera gets up there while she's born and she like she just turns the camera like, get out of my face. So you say you say both teams were heels, but yeah. Bulldog and Owen were certainly a lot more sort of like like either heels but a bit like NATO guns. Yeah, but it's just the fact that they've been obviously before this in the 
they'd been feuding with like with Sean, also maybe the top face and like mm-hmm. that Ahmed and all that, and also Jim Cornette's a big is like the the main heel manager. Uh, in the WF at the time, so they ran his back him at this time. Yeah, and I was like, nobody knew that he'd already been signed away by uh, by Clarence Mason. Mm. So we're kind of like kind of building a bar, eventually being able to get the tie to to Billy. Uh, <laughs> he eventually gets the tie, and they and do do like do some dull moves. They do what I wrote down: shite poetry emotion. <laughs> so that's the move that hurries you where Jeff leaps over Matt and does like the leg drop kind of mm. thing in the corner. Where Billy jumps over bar, leaps over bar, and there's a really shit clothesline where he looks like he's too he, far away. He, 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 he kind of clubs him on the head. And it was like he landed just like a bit before them, and then had to do the full follow through with the yeah. move. So he didn't really do it, and as he was flying, as like yeah. you're probably hoping for him to do so. It didn't really work. <laughs> uh, they do manage to hit the sidewinder. Uh, like Billy does a wee bit of his legal, and he's doing some stuff, and then ties Bart in. So then Bart can get tag him to be legal for the sidewinder. But when he first tags in Bart, Jr. Uh, is just shitting all over this mistress. He's like, "Well, you do, why are you tagging back in the <laughs> Billy? You're the first man. Why are you tagging in your partner?" <laughs> uh, which makes sense. But then they hit the sidewinder, and then Billy takes to like. There's a bit of uh, confusion with the referee getting the other the illegal gun out, and then it, but uh, Owen comes down. Didn't have the cast on, but yeah, he still like, smacks him with uh, like axe handle, and they just lie there for a second for horrible city thing where he eventually <laughs> crawls over, and then he does uh, the kick out does get a big response. So the yeah, crowd are into yeah. it, even though the face, face that healed thing is really just dumped over its head. But you know, Philly are one of those crazy that kind of accept you know that no clear. He'll face it like, we'll cheer who we want to cheer, as you said. They clearly yeah. thought it was Bulldog and Owen. And briefly so, Bulldog and Owen are awesome. They're underrated as a tag team. I think so. What were they, two time? Uh, or just one time? I believe two time. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, I think so. They, they do hold, the, they actually hold the tag team titles for a long time. Oh, we do, we yeah. do. I think it's because they didn't have that many teams. That's why they had to bring in fucking Furnace and Lafon from, <laughs> from Japan or wherever yeah, they were wrestling. Yeah. They did. They have a long reign. People forget about it. And so there's a point where Bart picks up Bulldog for a slam. Bulldog slides out of it, shoves him in a Billy. Billy just shoves him back. And then... Yeah, Billy, who was distracted, talking to Sonny. Yeah. And then three so just turns around and sees his brother there, who's also not done it. He doesn't know why. So he shoves him back. Bulldog picks him up, hits his running power slam. Billy suddenly realises, oh shit, I've been an idiot. Runs mm-hmm. in, I realise he has to run around it so that Owen can cut him off by hitting a spin kick. Yeah. And Bulldog pins Bart for the. 1, 2, 3 in the new tag champs are Bulldog and Owen. 10 minutes 59, yeah, and would start a, a longer reign than people realise for these guys because, like, I think at this point they were running dry of the whole Godwins smoking against Boyadonna, switching in and out of them because the titles yeah. had changed hands quite a bit between these two at mid 96 and the earlier options were seemingly the new rockers. So Oh, well, we got Owen and Bulldog, they're solid as our team. Why aren't we? They suddenly realised, oh, we should have been putting the belts on these guys. Yeah, not the new rockers. Yeah, no. Definitely not the new rockers. Marty doesn't need another temporary title run. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we cut backstage. Oh, actually, no, before this, we have Sonny gets on the microphone, she's angry, like, I gave you guys everything. And you guys screw it up. You're no longer the tag team champions. You know what? You guys are fired. <laughs> And they, and Billy's trying to like go after her, try try to reason with her, and Bart's just raging like. Mm. And then this would lead to the smoking guns feud or split up because like yeah. they have a match on Raw where Billy had to take time off because he was legit injured. So they did a weird injury angle where Bart does like a flapjack and he hangs 
fill you up next first off the ropes and then they just stop and they're like, oh dear, something really has gone wrong. You have to stretch your Billy out. Mm. And then when Billy comes back, he's like Rockabilly. So well, yeah. you remember they have the match, the Survivor Series match when Billy's yeah. in team and he comes out and yeah, the, the black, the black cowboy hat and the yeah. black coat. And yeah, but like in Kiefer Bart, you know, it seemed like accidentally nearly ended Billy's career, and they never really like have a thing with Billy with Billy try to come back and get revenge on Bart. Because mm. after they kind of go separate ways, Bart has nothing to do until he's put into really the the new Midnight Express. Yeah. And then weirdly, they have the new Midnight Express versus the new Age Outlaws in 98, and they don't even make a big deal of the fact that Billy and Bart used to be a team. Yeah, I noticed that, yeah. <laughs> Which is the same, so I just want to show how quickly Bart and unfortunately falls after the... Uh, I mean, Billy falls a bit as well, but he immediately comes back up as soon as he and Road Dogg are together. Yeah, but unfortunately Bart would get his grandest moment being knocked stupid by Butterbean. <laughs> Unfortunately, because so. he had the cheek to beat Doctor Death. Mm-hmm. That was mainly what it was for, wasn't it? Yeah, very much. But Doctor Death fucked, fucked his own shoulder because I think he when he was going for a swing, he fucking shoulder something went on his tore something in his shoulder. Mm. And so and Bart was already annoyed because everyone was saying, "Bit like, oh, good luck knocking out Doctor Death tonight, Bart." Everybody really knew he was probably going to not do it. So Bart was properly going for it. So Bart was like, "Fuck you, I'm going to knock you stupid." So that plus the fact that you only had one good. Started off seemingly only had one good arm during the fight. Bart just fucking lailed them. <laughs> <laughs> and people and like Gr was just when they did that doctor the ring. Gr was just so annoyed about the idea of them asking like, oh, I wasn't annoyed at Bart, even though his annoyance at them asking question implies like, I bet you probably were, but weren't you? <laughs> I bet you were fucking raging. <laughs> I need to watch that episode. I've never watched it. The tough enough episode. I mean, Brawl for All. Ah, uh, Brawl for All. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that, and then we have uh, Mick Foley, uh, Mankind interview with Big Dave with Paul Bear, and you got Kevin Kelly. I'm somewhere here in the bowels of the arena, I'd like to say that when it comes to the Bear and Insert Client here. Because the, the creepy guy is always in the bowels. Yes. Of the arena. Uh, bowels of the arena. Like, you know, under two. How do you. How do you. How does Mankind get sent up to Sean Miles and. You'll have a lot of his click here in Philadelphia, and man, like, oh, there's a lot of creatures of the night out there, and it's your fault that I turned on the Undertaker, <laughs> and it'll be your click, Sean, is to blame for what happens to you tonight. Mike <laughs> uh, Foley says that it was uh, Paul, Uncle Paul, as he calls him, yeah. it says that it's his destiny to be the champion. He goes like, what I want is to hear walking that mandible claw, hear the gargled screams of Shawn Michaels. <laughs> he's doing his thing where he's rocking back and forth with the urn. Yeah. Oh, he's getting this promo. That was my favourite Mankind, you know. Yeah, I know you've mentioned. Crazy one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a thing here. So we're going to go to the next match, which is Daryl uh, uh, Lawler versus a debuting Mark Henry, even though technically yeah. it's not his first professional match. He wrestled Daryl Lawler at a house show the night before. Which also people wouldn't know that, but I think it was kind of a practice run. Yeah, so it's his official in-ring debut. Yeah, so that was the official in-ring debut. This is his official in-ring like televised debut. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so I got a story from Mick Foley's book here. Uh, have an ace day. Let's well, find it. Yeah. We talk, well, this is a different story from what I want to tell later on, but this is a separate one. I think it's interesting because it revolves around Mark Henry. Well, go on then. And how, who do we have had the priorities on in, at this point in the company? Go on then. So, 
Uh, Mark Henry, they brought him in from all the Olympics and everything. They had a lot of fanfare around him. He's even dressed in this big over-the-top red, white and blue America kind of thing. <laughs> uh, and so they wanted to hopefully do something about do something about like capitalising on making him a big star and everything else. They would take a long time for Mark to really achieve his true potential. Yeah. She said, but you know. Uh, so Mick Foley has this story of talking about people who want to do merchandise backstage. So here's the here's what I've got here from his book. Have a nice day if you lend over. <laughs> Go on then. I was approached backstage by a man named Jimmy Miranda. Jimmy had approached all of them, but his concerned merchandising. He had, he had a list of names on his chart with various merchandising ideas from. I could see that Mark Henry, the Olympic weightlifter, figured to be part of World Wrestling Federation's merchandise future. Yeah. Checked off by his name was everything from foam fingers to red, white, and blue bandanas. At least twenty-five items in all. Also figured prominently was the stalker Barry Windham, <laughs> who probably had about 15 potential items, and uh, said that the company wanted to merchandise mankind and what I thought about mankind masks for kids. <laughs> I told him I was flattered, but didn't think that a mask like this was supposed to be scary, because shouldn't be scary. I told him that a mask like this was supposed to be scary for kids and shouldn't be worn by kids. I did tell him that I thought a shirt and an action figure would be good, and he checked out both of those. At this time, Austin came over and said, Hey, Miranda. <laughs> this is my shit, it's Austin present. Hey, Miranda. When are you going to come with Stone Cold merchandise? Miranda grew silent. Didn't seem to know what to say to Steve when Steve questioned him and jokingly answered, Come on, Jimmy. All right. Sorry, I'm going to say that again. <laughs> yeah, okay, get it that's right. You'll get there, I'm man. I'm having to read this like, bit for a bit without any preparation. So, anyway, Miranda grew silent. Didn't seem to know what, know what to say. Steve again questioned him, jokingly asking, Come on, Jimmy, how about a shirt for Stone Cold? Randy again seemed at lost words and paused at length before slowly breaking the bad news. I'm sorry, Steve, but the office just doesn't seem to have any interest in merchandising you right now. Oh. In late 96, they didn't have any merchandise ideas for Stone Cold Steve Austin, but they seemed to have a lot of ideas for The Stalker and Mark Henry. Hmm. So here is one thing goes, Wow, and to think within a year, Austin's merchandise would sell Mark Henry's 21. Two million to one, that is. <laughs> and he would later on, earlier before this, say, talk about how, uh, talk about how Mark Meadows' salary was, through Austin being the biggest draw on this point in '96, seemingly on his way up. Mark Meadows was being paid big money, and like, he, he does, he did dig it. Mark Meadows, a couple of things. This was written in late '99, but he was annoyed that Mark Meadows had been brought in with all this money, and at one point he was offered a program with Meadows, which he turned down. Basically, mm-hmm. you know, thinking himself like in his own mind, like, well, he thought Mark was a good guy. He thought, like, I'm a better wrestler than you. I, I should be getting that money. Is that Stone Cold? No, my, my, uh, Mankind. Uh-huh. So he said, like, out oh, of respect for for Mark Merrill, he completely declined because he didn't really want to do the feud. Mm. over Because, again, he thought he was a... Basically thought he was a better wrestler. And he, like, didn't like the idea, like, oh, this guy's been picked and come in with all this. It's also the whole guarantee money didn't do a lot of favours for, for Mark Merrill. So, yeah... Mark Henry came in, all these merchandise ideas that probably didn't sell a lick. <laughs> no. And then they come into the store and go, like, I'm sorry, we don't have any interest in merchandising you right now. <laughs> That's fucking weird, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, let's get back to this, because it's probably, that was more interesting than the match we're going to talk about. So, we have Gerald again. Like I said, it's basically a slightly longer version of what, uh, what Jose Lothario and Jim Cornette did earlier. Yeah, on. pretty much. Laura comes in, run down the crowd, and goes, I hate the Olympics anyway. 
Only watch the synchronized team and see if one of them drowns or they all have to drown. <laughs> like, Jesus, keep it light, eh? And he said, I'm going to give Mark Henry a basic wrestling lesson. And then out comes Mark Henry's big brother and like, hey, everybody. <laughs> Mark Henry looks a bit like, he was on a podcast talking about like, memories of like, Madison Square Garden. And like, one of his first appearances, he was brought out to see a lot of the crowd. And one time he introduces a big baby face. And then he goes to get, get in the ring and he trips as he's coming through the ropes. Mm. And people laughed at him and like, hey. And, and so Mark Henry's big baby face, instead of just grabs making yells at the crowd, like, and starts cutting a heel promo on them, like, how dare you laugh at me? You all people wish you could be like me. Until the guy who was in the ring, I think someone was interviewed him, basically nods him, like, Mark, you may be a baby face here. <laughs> and he had to kind of turn around and try and get them to like him, which failed miserably. Mm. So he says, I'm going to show Mark Henry some basic moves and show how incompetent he is. He doesn't belong in this room. He goes, I'm going to show he can get out of a basic headlock. So he tries to get in a headlock, but then Mark Henry just shoves him off. <laughs> And again, Waller kind of just oversells anything that's that's done to him. He does. He gets flown in the outside, you know, in the corner. Uh, I'm going middle of that when he gets when he gets flung out the ring, like <laughs> through the middle rope. Well, yeah. it's quite. You know, I was like, oh, it's most it's most dear laws ever left his feet in a match. I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like Mark Henry helped him a touch. Yeah. He's like, oh, like, there you go. I mean, if Mark Henry, <clears throat> like. Gives you enough momentum with his string, like you start choices of you going out of the ring, you're fucking going. You're going. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Whoosh. Well gets a brief advantage when he takes out a foreign object from his from his gear, or as they briefly used to call it in WCW, he took out an international object. They gives him kind of a brief advantage uh, over Mark Henry, but it doesn't really go very well. Mark Henry basically allow Mark Henry's basically able to overpower any move that Lawler tries to attempt and not maybe show he's not as incompetent. Well, even though he may not be able to technical wrestle, he's still much stronger, and that's enough for him to beat Gerald Lawler, where he lifts him up in a weird backbreaking looking move. Yeah. And Lawler, like, immediately taps out. Five minutes 13, that went. Mm hmm. Like, it was like, kind of like a. Like a. What do you call it? Like a backbreaker kind of deal, mm-hmm. wasn't it? It's like a. Yeah, you know, when Fruit lifts them up for the Dominator, ah, that, the crossed, dominator. that crossed with like a torture rack kind of thing. That was a fucking move I was yeah. making. The torture rack, it was like a sort of torture rack, modified yeah. torture rack. And, and like the idea of Mark doing that, I think it would have been interesting if he did that, but also his other moves, like the World's Strongest Slam, that really suited him. Mm. I think somebody, people talked about like the headlock. Like Mark came, you think about it, Mark came could easily have had the headlock as he's finished, so his arms are that big, oh, like that true. strong. It's like, like, just tap it immediately or I'll pop your head off. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, so Mark Henry, and then he after he wins, he, I he has what I, I kind of think it's a little bit OTT celebration at the end of that match. Oh yeah, he had to, he had to spark the you know the fireworks yeah. and the pop, and you know yeah, cool, you you beat Jerry Lawler. Like the fans don't really like Jerry Lawler, and they have they're happy seeing Kevin up like they not don't like you that much. Pat. Yeah, you're not you you're not winning the title or nothing. Much. I think Vince forgot he was meant to have fireworks. Maybe Vince wasn't as happy with the match that deserved fireworks because like. As it zooms in on the fireworks go off at the top of the arena, Vince just kept joking like, "Why not? Why not?" <laughs> Basically, Vince is trying to kill her up like, "I don't know why we have fireworks, but why not?" Eh? Mark Cameron, what a win! What a win, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mark Cameron, unfortunately, wouldn't be able to really capitalize and enjoy this because uh, he was maybe on Mark Meadows' team for the Survivor Series. It also included uh, Goldust. No, not Goldust, uh, the Stalker and the debut in Wokimaivia. Mm. But Henry would get injured while he was still training. 
He's uh-huh. taken out for a good while. I think we've been for nearly a year at that point. And uh, come back like in the nation start in eight and be recruited into the nation, which is a good fit for him. It was, yeah. He'd yeah. be a heavy to like the Fruk and the Rock for a while for mm-hmm. while he was still learning. Uh, and then obviously he was replaced on that show by Jake Roberts, who also had a history with Lawler, but Lawler still got to like make fun of him because obviously he was maybe on the team, but so it's a kind of, he had a lot of bad luck early on in his career, did Mark Henry with uh, injuries and such. Yeah. Very good in the end, yeah. though. Yeah, he got good in the end. I mean, he'd find, late night, late night, he'd find sexual chocolate, which a lot of people still talk about. <laughs> yeah. At this point, they promote the upcoming Buried Alive match uh, at the next on Fave Review. And they, they don't really call it a Buried Alive match, even though it comes up Buried Alive. The very first ever you know, unsanctioned match, mm. you know, was, we don't have control on this, and then you're going, we're basically going to take a big pile of dirt, we're going to put it in the arena, and the object, the winner is to bury the other person underneath all that dirt, and bury them alive. And also say that Mankind won the title tonight, it's, oh, the match of Taker wouldn't be for the WFT mm. because they're not sanctioning it. And throughout the night, we keep emphasising the fact that it's an unsanctioned match. Yeah. You they know. call it an unsanctioned match more than they call it buried alive. Yeah. Uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of along the same lines of like last Tuesday in Texas with the amount of things we mentioned, the fact that it's an unsanctioned match. Yeah. I wonder when we get to the match itself and the pay-per-view, buried alive, how many times they'll, refer, they'll remind us that's I know, like an unsanctioned. If you want to watch that mm. with us, you know, watch that when we get into it. Watch the show, uh, Buried Alive, and take a drink every time they say unsanctioned and see how pissed you get. Mm. Within reason, if they do it too much, you know, don't don't overdo it, you'll kill yourself. No, you won't, you'll just have a bit of a headache. Then we go into Undertaker versus Goldust, the final curtain match. Mm-hmm. You have a, a promo package done, but again, like nobody challenges Undertaker in terms of mind games other than more than uh, Goldust or before him. Like, you also got Mankind, but let's not talk about that right now. Yeah. So. And now we were talking before, like, oh, what the hell is a final curtain match? Maybe they'll explain it because, you know, curtain call, uh, gold dust, all his gimmick and all that. But no, oh, they explain it perfectly. It's no disqualification, no count out. You can only win by pinfall. Yeah. It really didn't, do, really a better type, really too good of a title for this match. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of stupid because I really think the main event should have had like, a no DQ stipulation to it. Yeah. For what everything was I'm going basically on. dead. Yeah, but then they had to have a DQ anyway because the finish, they had to progress to the next thing. Mm. So, yeah, the Goldust comes out first, he's wearing these Aussies gold flakes, and <laughs> then eventually later on we'll spray Goldust into Taker's face. Mm. The one downside of it is, man, it's in the ring and on the outside, so Mankind and Sean roll into a lot of it. So for much of the match, you just cut, it gets to them and their fucking lights bouncing off them because they got all the shiny gold <laughs> dust all over them. I like it. I'm sure you do. I'm just saying it was a bit off. And... A shiny, a shiny gold shine was a cool thing, <laughs> especially in that era. So Taker comes in. He brings the lights up. He's weird. It's one of the first times people were seeing him coming on his own, like mm. no manager or anything like that. Immediately. As soon as the bell rings, fucking upper take hold. So they find this some better than expected uh, matches. Like obviously, because again, these are matches that aren't really talked about. The matchup, the casket match, which they mentioned, think, oh, the casket. I just maybe to get into the mind of the opponent by locking this casket. Mm. But obviously, Goldust had the assistance of Mankind. The fact that he painted it gold, he didn't really seem to be mm. afraid of Undertaker and everything. And so that basically, basically imply that as as it turns out, Goldust really only helped. Beat 
Golas will only really beat Taker because of help from Nanking, which really he did. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Golas on his own isn't able to beat the Undertaker, but Taker goes right into Golas. He tries to escape. Marlena like slaps the Undertaker. He barely <laughs> sells it. And there's a point where he just picks her up like she's nothing. Like and Terry Reynolds mm-hmm. is like maybe a hundred pounds at most, <laughs> and Taker's like six foot seven, like three hundred pounds. He just picks her up like she's nothing. I think most of her weight is in her chest and in her cigar. Maybe. The director's chest is it's probably weighs almost as much as her. <laughs> I, you'd have a harder time lifting that than her. No. Well, you see, well, at this point where Andrea doesn't lift her up and she's completely stiff like a board, so it's like, <laughs> yeah. He picks her up and she's not doing anything and he's like, what do I do now? Ah! And Goldust goes, surprise! Face <laughs> Goldust in his face. I do love that, the literal, literally take it. Oh, he sprayed gold dust into his face. I love the fact, during the match, that JR keeps emphasising the fact that gold dust can kick ass. Yeah, and I think, yeah, because he would have called some of these matches in the early, like, WWE when he's the, the natural, dust mm. rooms. Mm. And so, like, so when it, like, like in this year, when somebody has, like, an actual, like, athletic background or football background in JR, no matter what the gimmick is for the guy, you'll get... Like that yeah. in there. He refers to him once or twice as a tough hombre. <laughs> very, mm. very southern phrase. I want tough hombre right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Goldust does work over Taker after that for much of the match. Like he's got Taker's on the outside. He's blinded. He's like swinging wildly. And like he's mm. like, oh, he doesn't bring any of those punches over here because <laughs> he doesn't know where he is. He's trying to find it where he is. And Goldust on the apron. He's like raining the punches mm. down on him. And it's good as it is. This match is and like the matches between Golas and Digger in this era aren't again like the Nanka match we're going to talk about aren't talked about nearly as much. We should be well. You should be, but I think out of the three we've watched across these uh, series, I think this is my least favorite. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good, but like it has some stuff that we've already seen, and plus I think the result by this point was already like foreshadowed. Like I yeah. think maybe it goes. And bought, I actually ranked them in order of the way they came because I think the, the casket match was the best one. Mm-hmm. That got some really decent like, time mm-hmm. and all that. Uh, and also the fact it was for the IC title, which is like a forgotten moment because like, the idea, like you'd never associate Undertaker with the IC title. Because, mm. like, yeah, you could go after the WF title and he's he's won the tag titles a bunch, but really the one belt, it seems like he never really needs to win, even though it'd be cool if he did win because I think that means he would have won just about every belt yeah. uh, as the IC belt because. It doesn't be what you think of when you think of the IC title doesn't really fit Undertaker. Mm. Even though I don't have that same issue with the world title, I don't know why. It's just how my mind works. So Goldust takes control from most of this, you know, the fans are very loud, like Taker I think it's got maybe in some cases like I know there's like a high pitch, you know, base squeal for Sean later on, but one of not the biggest reactions we get tonight is for Taker, the very loud rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, this. Like, yeah. Maybe I just didn't pick it up on it, but me wasn't as much rampant homophobia from the crowds against Goldust, <laughs> which I was worried there would be. No, we, go- were, we were generally okay. Good on you, Philadelphia, 20 years ago. Yeah, Or 25 or whatever many years ago this was. But, you know, <laughs> because we have heard on Peter's in your house, is like, got, the camera gets a bit too close to someone in the front row saying something, uh, Yeah. Well, I was going to say it didn't age well. It, didn't, it wasn't fucking aging very well when they said it at first, so... Not really an issue. Well, you know, it was just words back then, you yeah. know. <laughs> just, words. just very, very hurtful words. <laughs> yeah, people people were built with different stuff back when we could take it better. Mm. Yeah. Plus, there's probably a reason to go to Dingit, uh, 
<laughs> didn't get put in the match with Sean because you imagine like the rumours about Sean and then the, you know, the insinuations around Goldust and Goldust rubbing Sean's chest. <laughs> <laughs> people would have kicked off. People would have. People would have. Some people would have kicked off. What? What? Not also that, but what if Goldust had beat him? Nah. Oh, <laughs> I think that's what they're worried. They're worried the heat would be too much. They worried there'd be a riot. Yeah. So there you go. It's almost a compliment to go. It's like you're too. You're too, again so much heat. We can't even put the world title even though we'd like to. Yes. Yeah. That's at least that's what the story is. But when I when I have played the games, <laughs> yeah, Goldust has been the champion on more than one occasion. Good for him. He has. But so Goldust Tiger eventually makes his comeback when he's whipped into the rope. Immediately comes back out with a clothesline. And Goldust then looks like he's momentarily taking control. But he goes up to the middle rope where Tiger just gets him by the throat. Yeah. Does a double. He does a choke slam off the middle rope. <laughs> for which at that point is a high spot because yeah. he don't think he's ever done that before. And then he swings up the tombstone. Everybody you know gets cheering because obviously they know what what's coming. Tombstone to Goldust. Ten minutes twenty three. Undertaker gets some revenge at least over Goldust and finally like like finishes off that weird rivalry that again that isn't really talked about. Yeah. That's an interesting thing, the idea like him and him with him and mankind. Uh the idea these two guys can play mind games as well and like Taker need to find new ways of beating them. Yeah. But like remember he he eventually would start developing those mind games in his own way. Yeah. You know, especially when it comes to the like the ministry and especially, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean you'd already done it before, like he'd had that thing with diesel, like he had the casket and he opens up and has a diesel Yeah. Yeah, mannequin in there. Uh What's interesting about this, like, the whole thing, oh, it can only be won by pinfall, like, but there wasn't anything, like, that suited the whole, there not being any DQ or anything like that. Yeah, they went on the outside for a prolonged period when he was doing the punches off the apron, Taker didn't know where he was, yeah. but other than that, like, even the gold dust, like, he didn't do that really in fear of the referee. The referee was dealing with Marlena because Taker had picked her up before then, so the referee wasn't even looking when he did it. So, there was nothing about this match that really, really felt like it needed to have this whole, oh, the final curtain, you know. <laughs> Other than them, maybe one to put a funny name or a suitable name on this match. They it, help, it may just help sell be it. that. You know, you know Vince liked to oversell at times. <laughs> like the idea that Tiger struggled to beat this guy. It just basically just said, uh, oh, the only reason Goldust beat him Tiger was because of Mankind. He could have even had Goldust trying to introduce a chair or some sh- or some weapons. Because <laughs> Goldust did get a thing with the referee where you, you see a sl- slipper of dust again in there where he's beating down Tiker and referee's trying to break it off and he goes like, get out of my fella, shut up. <laughs> like, like that's not gold that's that's that's, that's natural dust and rose right there <laughs> that's that southern boy uh, and then we get a, a, I think this is here where we have it but a Shawn Michaels promo I may have been earlier on but this is a weird Shawn promo mainly because I'm like if I look watch it I'm like what the fuck are you wearing mate like, what, what's up with what he's wearing like I don't know how she had this weird silvery bit of red through it what was wrong with it he looked like he was his, his earrings as well, just like it was weird bits of metal hanging, just dangling from his ears. Yeah, it looked good, man. It looks like someone had taken apart one of those weird nail clippers and just like put the parts into earrings and said, Here, Sean, where are these? These are funky. Yeah, he looked good, man. Yeah, but then again, your bias is you were already admitted. It doesn't mean he didn't look good. It, it kind of does. No, it didn't. It does. No, it didn't. Shut up. I'm not going to get into this with you. Good, because you're wrong. But this is even one of Sean's best promos, though. Because, like, Mankind's very good in the promo game, especially for his, his one earlier on, and he's shown that he can, like, make Foley Candle over a great yeah. promo. But Sean, who's usually very good in the make, isn't really... Because I think he is trying to fit, like, oh, I'm the good guy here. I, I have to disagree with you, because I think... 
Sean, his whole goal during that promo was to seem <laughs> unnerved by mankind, you yeah. know? Seem off his game, and I think he more than put that across. Mm-hmm. So I, I would say it was a good promo. Yeah. I, mean, I, I disagree because you're like, oh, he wants to play mind games. If I had a mind to get in the head of, you know, I, I'd be probably be scared. More nervous than I already am. Like, he's trying to say he's not scared, he's not nervous, then says, oh, I'd be more nervous than I already am. Like, he's implying he doesn't have a mind. That's how he's got so far. Like, you're trying to tell us, like, you're an idiot. <laughs> and you don't get scared, but you are scared. Like, it didn't make any sense what Sean did, was trying to say. Did paper shit make any sense? Well, no, but like, uh, there you go. But, but you know, maybe are it's, you it's, biased it's, to Roddy Piper? Maybe there you go. <laughs> I'm not really, but like, but I just like Sean. None of none of this really made any sense to to me. Like what Sean was trying to get across there, I just felt like ready, very difficult. I'm a good guy. I'm not nervous, but Sean didn't know how to properly deliver it the way Vince probably wanted him to. Oh, uh, we'll agree to disagree on that. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have to disagree. Disagree. But now we have the main event, the match with Foley. I know you especially were most looking forward to it. I really, I, was. I really enjoyed it. I, I didn't get to watch it before today, so I watched it on like my break from work. So and what did you think? I really, really enjoyed the match. Like again, it's I'd already seen it, but I'd forgotten some of the spots from it, so it was good to watch it get back. Yeah. I also known some things from briefly reading about it. Mick Foley's book, where I have another little passage to, oh, to you read to you. I, I found it. I believe this is the section. Excuse me. I, I'm looking. I didn't look over this before I was reading it. So by, by the way, in regards to your Stone Gold impersonation earlier on, that was a really good Elvis impersonation. <laughs> God damn, son. Thank you very much. Yeah, a really good Elvis. <laughs> I, I, might, I might say a really a really good Ash from Evil Dead doing an Elvis impression. <laughs> Ash doing an impression of Elvis really toward to the end. Yeah. Elvis met on the fucking oh, toilet. Above a whole tap, Elvis. I'm more like Elvis midway through the fucking toilet that ain't killed him. <laughs> That's heavy, man. <laughs> heavy. <laughs> oh, I just got a terrible joke in my head. Mm-hmm. Not gonna say it though. <laughs> say it after. So like there I I found this section, I haven't properly looked over it before reading, so bear with me as I'm reading it, you know, really, really technically live it's live, pal. Anyway, even though I can edit it shit out, but please bear with me. <clears throat> you, you, should be, you should be happy. You should be happy I'm not... I'm ready. Audiobooks are not my thing, clearly, but you should be happy I'm not trying to do a bloody Mick Foley voice. I don't even know so where it is. He does this, this is what happened, so it is. This was a thing he did. <laughs> anyway, here's what Mick Foley had to say. I'd been trained diligently for my next pay-per-view match, which I had high hopes for. In a period of 24 hours, I'd gone from trying to figure out what the hell I was going to do with do on the show with Mark Merrow to being told I was wrestling champion Shawn Michaels. Wow, I went from being a curtain jerker to wrestling one of the top guys in the business. One phone call. I was excited as hell about working with Michaels, who had a reputation for two things, being a pain in the ass and being a brilliant performer. <laughs> as far as the pain in the ass, well, I got along fine with him, even though I, even though I couldn't blame others for, even though I couldn't blame others who didn't. I don't know what that really means. Yeah. Anyhow. Uh, as far as being a brilliant performer, he certainly was. He actually looked like the performer. He, he actually looked like the perfect opponent for me in, this, in that everything he was, I wasn't. Small, handsome, a great physique, athletic, and a decent dancer too. <laughs> he, was a cl- he was actually a classic babyface wrapped into an 80s attitude. I watched hours of Michael's tape hoping to pick up on certain things he did. Instead, I learned that it wasn't necessarily what he did, but how he did it. Actually, everything he did looked good. 
I didn't have to worry about copying anyone else. I would just do it my way and Sean would take care of the rest. I don't got to move forward a little bit, but you know, glowing praise for Mick Foley. Oh, which yes. Was, given this is only like three years later, this would come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going into the match, I was more confident than I'd ever been before. I was completely focused. I knew that I was in shape. A factor that haunts me, a factor that haunts me usually until the moment I step into the ring. Mm. <laughs> that night in Philly, I was given an interview. Now, this is where he talks about the uh, interview from the pre-roll. Match itself was skipping ahead of a bit. Match itself was everything. Match itself was even better than I could have expected. Pace was tremendous. The time was perfect, and the story was well told. The crowd was hot. Uh, execution was excellent. So you know, glowing praise for Mick Foley, but it is a good match. Oh yes. We'd, we put 27 minutes into what was undoubtedly the finest match of my career. There is no doubt in my mind that it was the best match of the year and one of the greatest, ma- greatest in history. Unfortunately, it often goes overlooked when classic matches are talked about, but it does. Because it was a matchup with no real history on the card that was relatively free of hype and ended with a finish that, I didn't, that many didn't like. And then talked about also the, uh, the interference later on that we'll talk about. And so reading through that, uh, some of these pages... The bit that I want to talk about, which is the most important bit, isn't fucking in here, but it shows that Foley still holds this match in high regard, as he rightfully should. But the issue was there's a bit where I think you may highlighted that it looked like something went wrong in the match. Or like, I think it was Foley was out of position where Sean looked like he was going to come off the, the middle rope. Mm. And you can see that looking really good in his face when he comes in, he's punching Foley when he gets to him. Yeah. Now, from what I went to believe when I read the paperback version of Foley's, but you've got the, the hardback version here, but... I read in it that Foley watched the uh, the SummerSlam match with Sean and saw the whole like, move. And so, like, knowing that Sean had a reputation, he actually decided to come out of the match with a maker look like they'd fucked up, but they hadn't. Oh. To try and get that, that nasty side of Sean and also make it look a bit like, make people think, oh, this next bit here, that next bit there was real. So that wasn't meant oh, to happen. Oh, so You're trying to get a bit of, you know, intrigue. And... That was an on purpose thing. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, that goes to show the psychology of uh, one Mick Foley. Yeah, that's very clever. Yeah. That's very fucking clever. Mm-hmm. Clever bastard. If I can, he reeled you in there, Paul. Yeah, do you believe in it he as well? He did, he did. Yeah. He did. You make sure to tell Mick Foley somehow that he that he, he got you. Ah, yeah, prick you. Yeah, you go. Yeah. She'd also mention that Foley comes into it. He's led out oh. by, uh, by druids. Yeah. Uh, in a casket. You've got Paul Bear there, and then he opens the casket, and he sits up. In the casket, like he basically, like I've basically claimed him the tickets powers or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Out comes obviously Shawn Michaels. He's usual like high face. Hey, Shawn. <laughs> That's basically like, it's mostly a female or childish like scream of like, hey, Shawn's here. Are, are you jealous because you don't get that when you walk into a room? Never usually that many. Not usually thirteen thousand people in a room where I walk into. Otherwise, it'd be very cramped in there. <laughs> I would. There's a lot of people that respond to Shawn Michaels. <laughs> but they very much quickly turn into a brawl, and that's why I think it should be more of a, a no DQ situation because they because obviously a Mankin's like style that he was known for. Yeah, like even Jr. says, "Don't expect any scientific you know, moves in this match. It's not that kind of these men's. It's not Mankin's forte." <laughs> but then they do like the double clothesline when they both go tumble on the top and making it a, a brawl. I think they were trying to. You know, at least like the hope was that Sean could show that he had a bit of an edge to him and wasn't just a white meat baby face that Vince wanted oh, he him to definitely, be. he definitely did show that in this mm-hmm. match. Because, yeah. like, 
some of the spots in this match, and I, I don't want to like just jump ahead in the match. No, we should okay. go through it, but some of the spots, especially the outside spots, mm-hmm. were pretty solid. And some of the early moves that you mm-hmm. talk about, like that quick, mm-hmm. you know, clothesline over the top rope, mm-hmm. that hard hitting, mm-hmm. the fucking snap, with fucking neck breaker on the yeah. outside. Yeah. Lots of the moves he took and lots of the ones he hit were really. Mm-hmm. They weren't. They weren't his usual. Yeah. Sean kind of good guy shit at the time, you know. Because like, what are you thinking about it? He's a, he's the guy who's most like kind of height wise closer <clears throat> to Sean because I think Sean's taller than a lot of people like think about. But Sean's obviously, like six something. But obviously, he's always surrounded by bigger guys, so you don't really notice yeah. it. So before this, like you think of it, he wrestled. Uh, Diesel, Bulldog, Vader, the kind of guys, and he'd been teams with Ahmed yeah. and Sid and things like that. So, he, closest to a small guy wrestled really in a big match was like when Owen was on the opposite team for an international incident. Mm. So, this is a new type of match for Sean, and also given that even though the guy's not bigger than Sean or stronger than him, he's fucking mental and will, doesn't care about his own body, he yeah. just wants to hurt him. So, Sean had to find new ways of breaking this guy down, which he. he Goes in a more technical when he tries to work over Mankind's leg mm. midway through the match. But when they go to the outside, it's about where Tron grabs the leg and Mankind kind of shoves him off and he goes slamming into the metal like barricades. Mm. And he got like thin like blue pads on the outside where Mankind <laughs> exposes, which gets a big cheer from the crowd because also there is ECW where they do have no padding whatsoever, which is all concrete. And yeah. people wonder why some of these ECW guys are so fucked up years later. <laughs> <laughs> or. Unfortunately, passed. Yeah. yeah. But then, unfortunately for Mankind, Sean Mankind managed to slam him on the concrete, but then he, just, he pulls the pads over him and he just jumps on him. Uh, he jumps on him like a, like a child jumping on the parents' bed while their parents still. He's like, wake up, wake up. He's like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck your whole fucking thing. You're not winning my title. Fuck you. <laughs> and so, also, it's like kind of a cross body kind of thing off the apron to. Okay, and then he starts going, it looks like he's actually run through his main bit of moves quite early, like he wants mm. to try and finish Mankind, like, even that's his elbow drop off the top, while Paul Bear's looking at him. Always, always stick a lot. He always looks good when he does that. Yeah, he is. Very cool, like, elbow drop this to Sean, I don't think people talk about it as much, because it was in the part of his kind of, much like Brett as well, he had his series like, Russian Lights, Week, Backbreaker, Bulldog, he had Sean mm. do the, like, atomic drop, you know, clothesline, elbow drop, sweet chin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, some the, sometimes a couple of punches slam yeah. elbow drop. I did the, like the flying like elbow mm. and forearm kind of thing as well, and then do the big we'll be well, we'll be well, keep up, ring with him. Yeah, and then tune up the band, <laughs> duh, 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 boot. Yes. Or the famous ha, ah, I've ducked underneath you, kick you in the face. Like, surprise, fucker. <laughs> yes, that one. <laughs> but then also we had the bit where I said where they made it look like Sean. And and man kind of fucked up and like Sean like yeah <laughs> and then he gets down the ground and Sean's there wheeling on him and they punch him like oh and the comedy come oh this is more of an aggressive side of Sean Michael well, that was when when Sean was in, like kept in the legs and was in the waist uh, and he was wailing elbows back on Mankind and then Mankind tries to get him a kind of almost a sleeper holding mm. and he tries to well, he's going to get a mandible claw but Sean's like but grabbed Sean, on and Sean's like grabbing on uh, like fuck you no <laughs> ain't happening today fucker <laughs> yeah. This is when Mank, well, also before Stoggo, so Mank, well, Claw is taking us this very seriously. Oh, Sean, no, don't get caught in the mandible claw. That'll be yes. the end of it. That'll be a late fight for you. He'll poke you in the tonsils. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> nah. <laughs> but then there's a fight where they go to the outside again. Uh, they grab, like, there's not even, like, 
properly in SWC today. These are just like folding tables that they put a bit of cloth over with the monitors yeah, on. But yeah. they grab the Spanish sounds. Uh, Mankin grabs the Spanish sounds table. He's on the other side. And someone just leaps over and just dies. I'm like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> and the funny thing is, because they have a spot with it later on, they just leave They just leave it. left. They just leave it there. They don't, Spanish sounds don't try and move it. They just left on a weird angle. So. Like, nah, everything always happens to our table. If it's going to be happening, it can happen out there. We don't want it near us. Yeah. That's, it. That's how we're going with it. I remember, like, when we actually <coughs> and Brock Lesnar have, like, spots, like, at the Rumble with uh, that, that barricade. Mm. One or both of them both love doing that spot where one of them runs to the barricade. I remember watching them do it at their match at the Rumble thing. Like, these, these two treat that barricade like most wrestlers back in the 90s used to treat the Spanish announce table. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. But then, Sean, the cool move where. Oh, there must have been a bastard for Foley. Oh, he gets a yeah, big pop yeah. from the from the Philly crew where he does like a suplex Boom. and Mankind's leg he nearly like, catches like the edge of the steps. Mm. Which obviously explains why Foley unfortunately walks the way he does <laughs> the, the injuries he's had and everything. Like even like in the back of his fucking autobiography, it's just a diagram of all his injuries. Yeah, the amount of bits and bobs that are broken or missing. Mm-hmm. And then so Sean then starts working the knee. Everything like chop block hits a gets a figure four in at one point. Yeah, uh, and he walks in a walking over gets a Boston crab. But there's one point where we like shut slams down the leg. It's similar to a move that Perfect does, and Perfect is quick to point out like, "Hey, he's using one of my moves." <laughs> Shawn Michaels is wrestling this match perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, Mister Perfect's right in the corner of Shawn Michaels because he's doing things so perfectly. Aye. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there's a bit of a scuffle around the uh around the casket and everything, but then Mankind like he's doing a thing where he's like showing metal, he grabs an object off a of, uh Paul Bearing's like slamming on against his own knees like he's trying to get some feeling back, that's what JR claims yeah. he's trying to do. <laughs> Just showing he's a mad bastard. Yeah. Uh Foley does I don't know if this is shortly after his words, but he does his thing he's like doing but this would be the spot that in Germany Against those really tight ropes that cost him his ear, where he gets flipped over and yeah, gets, gets his head caught. I think they show the disregard for mankind's own like well being because like when Sean goes to grab him or maybe even help get him out of the ropes, he just gets him in the manual claw briefly, <laughs> but he has to each force let go because the referee's managed to get him out of it. Mm. Which I really like that kind of idea of doing that. And then poor Hugo gets shoved, I think, at one point because they try and bring chairs into it. Poor Hugo's like, oh fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I think oh, Hugo. There's some stuff on the other side where Mankind turns around, slams Sean on the outside, and mm-hmm. does his uh, his Mankind elbow. Which even though the pad's very thin, at least some padding is good because uh, he manages to land most of his body on the mat. Where Sean's unfortunately on the lying back first in the concrete, having, yeah. to, having to take that big elbow off of Mick Foley. Then so he picks him up and does like a swinging. Yeah, well, that's the one in. that looked quite mm-hmm. jarring. That one. Yeah, and also both of them, I think, that took a bit of a. I think both of them took out. I think both of them get at the brunt of that one with the uh, the concrete on the outside. Yeah. Uh, and then we get into the match and we get that spot with the table. Before that, though, Sean oh. has a good... Like, people talk about, like, big finisher kick, it's like it's a modern thing, but Sean gets out with the double R&D T, which is going to be one of Mankind's main finishers, other than, like, the claw. Yeah, yeah. Kicks out of that. Then he immediately picks him back up. That's a pile driver. Sean kicks out of that as well. Yeah. So he tries to show the resilience, but, like, basically... Two ma- major moves from Mankind back to back. Sean manages to kick out of. To which Mankind starts to freak out a touch. Yeah. And Paul Bear just he needs to be like, Whoa, oh, oh no. I think it was a point where, Ma- where Mankind's leg was getting worked over that Paul Bear tried to do what he did with the where he held, holds like, the iron up to yeah. try and transfer the powers to Mankind. <laughs> yeah, like the, 
It may have been around here where I was talking about the fits with Hugo, but yeah, the spot with the table, as you were saying. Yeah, well, it's conveniently still on its kind of I think to an Sean, angle. Sean was doing his thing, trying to get going. Mankind yeah. bounces into the rope, knocks yeah. him on his balls. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does do, Sean does do like a big flip on the kind of similar to what yeah, yeah. Uh, Flair would do where he flips them over, and then he's hanging on the tree row, and Mankind does got like an elbow to him, which yeah. is kind of cool. But we get up, and they're both. Grappling on the top of the turnbuckle, and then it goes. Man, I think Mankind tries to suplex him onto the table. Yeah, he's trying Sean, to get back suplex. Kind yeah, of Sean flips it, lands on him, mm-hmm. totals the table. Yeah, JR's doing his usual bang up job. Oh, I think both their back, backs may be broken. Their bones may be broken. My God, he's wants to go. They're broken in half. My God. <laughs> <laughs> and then what I love the fact is, yeah, Sean's flipped around. So basically, a lot of the impact is is going to Mick. So Foley's doing the brunt of it. But Sean kind of rolls off him and has him to do a line on concrete. But just because he's lying on concrete after a fall. But if he comes over and Vince gets up for me, he's going to say, and basically he's saying like, ah, fuck Foley and all the impact he took. Worry about Sean, damn it. <laughs> I think, do they not try and do something like this in the uh, the uh, Good Friends match where the T's like, oh, Sean, you, you have to just call it a day. Like, it's, it seems like they're going to stop the match. Like, no, fuck this. Yeah, I think, it's when, I think it's when Diesel power bombs him through the table. Yeah, and so they do, basically, again, like, I thought about the similarities. They do that same thing again. Like, oh God, can Sean possibly continue? My God. Why can you not love Sean Michael? Look how resilient he is. <laughs> love him, damn it. <laughs> no, Vince, no one will love Sean like you love Sean. <laughs> Sean is to Vince what Mr. Hat is to Mr. Mr. Garrison in South Park. <laughs> yeah. I think you best, best ask Mr. Hat. Mr. Hat, can I have a shot of the world title? No, you go to hell. You go to hell and you die. <laughs> but then there's a weird spot with the chairs because uh, Mankind sits at one chair but it's kind of folded out uh, a C position. He cleans up with another chair as if he's going to do some spot for it. But Mankind, uh, but Paul Barrett's trapped in the referee. So Sean leaps up over it and they say it's a sweet chair. It's just a just a, happened to be a kind that of, kind of caught the uh, the chair and sent, it hits Mankind right in the face. Yeah, it's like a sort of a mule kick. Yeah. Because he jumps and lunges up and goes, ha-cha! Because like, he, like, he's trying to feed... Oh, this is for a martial arts match. He's like, ha-cha! Ha-cha! There was a spot where Sean got a chair or something and Mankind went punching me and held the chair up at once. Yeah, and punched his... That's what oh, led yeah. to the assault on the, yeah, the hand. I forgot to say, yeah, he tried... It was smart and then he tried... Work with that. I think that's where about the thing where he was trying to work some film out his leg because you can hear Paul Bear going, Your hand, look oh, at your hand. <laughs> he tried to roll Sean to the casket one point and JR makes sure to melt for him. And just, this is not a casket match. Like, <laughs> we know, JR. Because <laughs> if it was, you'd probably remind us of the rules of it about 70,000 times. Yes. But Sean mentioned that move on on my head with the chair and everything, and he looks like he's going to set up. Uh, probably for a sweet chin and, set, uh, and put away Mankind but then you hear a loud cry I assumed it was because uh, oh because he's sitting up but then you hear someone coming down the ramp I thought oh maybe it's Goldust because that weird alliance but no it's, it's Vader yeah. who slides in and then after about 25 odd minutes 25, 27 minutes I think we said that this match went uh, it ends in a DQ which was slightly disappointing which I think maybe was some ways to maybe explain why it's it's not as remembered because of the finish yeah the finish Maybe it's something to do with it. And then even Sean manages to knock uh, Vader to outside, and then out comes Sid, who also gets a massive pop. Yeah. And they brawl up the up the ramp. Yeah, well, Sid and Vader do. Yeah. Also, talking about runs, I forgot you mentioned it was, it was so forgettable a match, but like, after, as soon as Henry beat Lawler, both of the new rockers came out. Oh, yeah, and, and, and Hunter, 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 Hunter Yeah. 
an odd pairing. I know. I, I don't know what that was meant to be for. I think it was just it made him seem tough or whatever. And uh, I was like, oh, these guys are trying to make a name for themselves. Yeah, like, send, out Olympian. Random, send out the random heel team and heel guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, they're trying to make a name for themselves at the expense of this Olympian. And they do. There is a funny joke. I think it was maybe GR that says, he goes, he's the best of the king and all the king's men. Yeah. <laughs> but they brought the rabbit in. Uh, Paul Bear sneaks him back and just whacks Sean with the arm to the back oh, of the head. Oh, he does not. He runs up and goes, dink. <laughs> and Sean goes, oh, no. I've fallen. I've been shot. <laughs> and then he holds up the urn while uh, while Mankin's working over Sean. He's holding it up upside down. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and he's working... Well, the, the moment got to him. He got into the manual call and he started rolling into the casket. Like, oh, we're opening the casket. And they open up and Paul Burns up. And it's the Undertaker. And Paul Burns up and Paul Undertaker pops up and goes... <laughs> and he 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 starts he basically chases away mankind, beats him up for a wee bit. Like I wonder know how they got it because I think there was like a false bottom underneath the casket and like the thing they were rolling on, which is I think what how mankind got into it after hiding under the ring at uh, Bore Dog. But I don't know how Taker got into it. Maybe he was hiding under that bit of the loogie lot. Maybe on. maybe because also they do they do a fun trick. So clearly it was a false bottom to the the the. Because they open up earlier on and show you that there's Ooh, nothing. You're, you're giving away trade secrets here, Scott. I'm saying that it was a cool way they did because they open up earlier on when he tries to put Sean in. They show you there's nothing in there. Yeah. And then makes you even get a bigger pop when they open up and they, ha the Undertaker is here. We <laughs> go, ha And the Undertaker, you actually notice when you really watch it. Taker has to, Taker is very close to the road, so he has to use the road to kind of almost to help himself up because he can't properly sell because he's in a community like. He just popped up and he was like, oh. They open the thing and he goes, I oh, fell over, Christ. Fucking hell, it's roasting in there. I'm already wrestling it, I'm sweating like a bastard in there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They open it up and he's in there with Marlena, it's, it's not what it looks like. <laughs> it looks like you're, you're looks like you're in a coffin with another man's wife. Oh, that's exactly what it looks like. Ah, but it's not. It is, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> and then... We had like a good like almost five minutes left of the pay per view. So then Sean's kind of like the ring that the winner and by DQ and still a champion was if people cheered and people cheered as if they didn't realize that's how it worked. But then Sean's music plays a loops a couple of times and Sean, as I just put down as as what somebody would say, he hot dogs and grandstands. Yeah, everybody like that's what I was going to say. The reaction to him at the end of it seemed very favorable. Everybody seemed to love him. But then like you say like it seemed like they hit, they went they did the go home angle. With a few minutes like despair, so basically it's uh oh, Sean, just like just dance I'm, around. I'm up. T's getting your arse out at one point for some reason. Yeah, I seen that. And like even though it was a hell of a match, right? He had a tattoo on his butt. He did, weirdly, it was a heart thing. Yeah, I know. But like I even, looked at it. <laughs> even though like it was a hell of a match, right? Like JR and Vince especially, Clapham and Higgy's hand as if he's just wrestled another Iron Man. It's like, that terrible, what a great performance. <laughs> And then, like, Mr. Perry looks, I'm like, I'm not shaking your fucking hand. <laughs> yeah. And then he, he's there with his bouncing downstairs and he just dances around like, hey, look at me, I'm Sean Michaels, I'm the best me. <laughs> he, get, he gets high fives and kisses and roses and shit. Yeah. <laughs> look All at for it. showing his tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't the tattoo they were looking at, but... <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. But it wouldn't be an In Your House review without me mentioning the fact that there were dark matches post the show. Postal show. Yes, remember that often we talk about our matches after show. We haven't, haven't. Well, have, do tell me, do they, tell me. They didn't have one uh, last last couple of times that they did it. So hold on. But do tell me. Oh, well, I'm just getting them in, in front of me. So obviously, Sean wins after 
20, was it 26 minutes 25 is the official run time. Oh, yeah. And then what did we get? After this, we got an 8 minutes 30 match with uh, Jake Roberts defeating Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Really? Huh? We got a, a preview of the match from Raw, but with the result flipped because Farouk beats uh, Mark Merrow in 6 minutes 23. For the title? Not for the title because the title is vacant, but it's like a preview of what they're oh. going to get tomorrow. But obviously, the following night. It flips. It flips and Myra wins the title. Damn. And then we have Psycho Sid defeating Vader in 9 minutes 10. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. So there you go. So actually, it's some decent uh, dark matches. More decent than some other ones we've seen before. Yeah. Shame we weren't, you know, shame we were dark matches. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of those we're actually going to get to see on pay-per-view next month, but I'll talk about Barry Alive in a second. But, Paul, not just to tell me about the match and your thoughts about uh, main games overall now that we've watched it. I don't know how many times you'd you'd have watched this in the, over the years. Oh, I've watched it a couple of times. And yeah. every time I've watched it, I enjoy it, you know. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy like, I particularly enjoy the tag match. Yeah. Because I, I think that like, uh, Bulldog and Owen particularly, mm-hmm. I think in that match, they were really, mm-hmm. really crisp. You know what yeah. I mean? And the moves that Bulldog were doing were... Pretty fucking stellar too. I mean, I always liked Bulldog when he was on his game. Yeah, he was definitely on it in that match. And it's a shame that we were getting close to the dissolution of the guns, and we never got any real blow off from that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what did you say? We got maybe two matches that never really went anywhere. Yeah. And obviously, Mankind Sean was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just it was just a solid pay per view. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the main event is, is is solid, probably one of the best of, of Mankind's career, and probably an underrated, like, Sean one, one a hidden yeah. gem in Sean's career, because Sean... Probably, could, probably one of the better matches in his first title run. Yeah, of his, of his first title run, yeah, that, I would say, because there are three Sean, Sean matches from that period, I, I would say, like, also not including the one that he wins it, but like... So, that one, the Good Friends one. Uh, this one and maybe one where he loses it to, to, to Sid. Aye. Yeah. Maybe throw in the Ironman match as well, but like this is just like a year where Sean, no matter what he was doing, was trying was throwing in the best like performances. No, it was man. It was it was it was class. Mm-hmm. So I was reading I was reading his uh, wrestling stats on Wikipedia today, man. Uh-huh. My Christ, <laughs> that guy's got a lot of plaudits. Yeah, <laughs> hell of a lot of plaudits. Mm-hmm. He, he's won like consecutive match of the year awards and yeah. What was it? In 96 at the Slammies, he won the best slam and jamming entrance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's such a 90s thing to say. It's not a cool thing to say, but it's what somebody thinks that what people in the news are, oh, the cool kids are saying slam and jamming. <laughs> yeah, he had the best slam and jamming entrance in 1996. <laughs> Jesus. I really enjoyed the And show. he won the best hair. No, oh, yeah, that's a given. <laughs> like, like... I really enjoyed the show. Like the the strap match was good for the time it got. Even though it was kind of used to further the angle with ECW. Yeah. The Aussie Lothario match could have done without. Tag match that was fun though. Yeah, tag match was good because these were the two of the best in a very shallow pool of a tag division. They had. Very true. Yeah. Goldus Taker is a decent uh, pair that doesn't get talked about. Does not. As is I Sean. May, I may look that up on YouTube. You know. Yeah. As is Sean versus Mankind, which. They get all the seemingly all the time in the world compared to some of the other matches, and they make the most of it. And they're well, there's so much happening in this match we're talking about breaking apart. Yeah. We can really examine. Do you know? Do you know? Interestingly, mm-hmm. you talk uh, uh, the possibility that it could have been Goldust as opposed to Mankind. Yeah. Do you know Sean and Goldust actually had a title match? Yeah. Was it uh, was on some sort of other type of pay per view or some kind of thing that the WWF done at the time? Right. 
But they had they had a title match. Yeah, I'm sure he may have even may have even done a match on Raw the change. I don't know if the title's on the line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure they done a, like a match, but they did have a title match or something. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see how they they do it. You, you could have used all this to to imply the talk about the rumors. That Sean was gay, mm, but maybe mm. that was too far for the WWF. The see, was, there's many ways. See if like like the Goldust Michael things had happened, maybe like mm-hmm. a year later. Yeah, maybe they would have pushed the envelope. But yeah, they would definitely. It's just at that time they weren't they weren't quite there yet. Yeah, no, like they'd already given them the IC title, so then they tease like movement in the event scene, and then they they get cold feet, which I think is a thing that ends up pintering Goldust going forward. Oh, yeah, because yeah, Because obviously he, he gets stuck in this weird position between the two yeah. belt, zip belts, so he doesn't know where... He can't go much further down without looking like a demotion, and he can't really go up because they wouldn't let him, so he's he's nowhere to go. Yeah, so... That's, that's, that's how you get the artist formerly known as Goldust. Yeah, and then you get him and Booker T. I mean, him and Booker T was cool. Yeah, that was that, cool. That was very fun. Cool. It's a shame that by the time the big gold belt really got introduced in the WWE, WWE that he wasn't really in that position that he had been in the previous years in the main event because yeah. the idea of you've said before gold dust the big gold like, like I think we, like he helped team he teamed with Booker against like Triple H now when Booker was in the lead up to his feud with Triple H and then May nineteen I think it was an attack from Evolution that gives him that brief stutter he used to have. Yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> thing. <laughs> like so yeah other than Jose Lothario and like Gerald or things like uh you're the only two like Things I don't enjoy, but they're very brief that they don't really take really away from they the show. They don't take away from it. So where would you? What would you give it? I'm giving it a single kind of single thumbs, thumbs up. up. Yeah. yeah, I agree with you on that one because it's like I said, it's a solid, mm-hmm. a solid classic of the mind games era, well, the in your house era. Yeah, it was something different being put on by company, especially for the main event, and also it was the perfect time to do it in in Philadelphia, where yeah. mankind's known and the kind of style that they're kind of throwing out. Throwing caution in the wind in this kind of style, mm. and also they, that the fans are kind of receptive to it. So, and like Mick said, they kind of they were two guys who knew what they were doing, so they didn't have to worry about the other. They just went out and did their thing. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah definitely. Even though it's a solid card overall, definitely match of the night that 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 match, and obviously rightfully yeah. so. But we're gonna be covering in your house minions. We've had two back to back solid in your house offerings. Let's see if uh, we can make a a trifecta within your house main game. Let's. I've been doing the last few days. Let's. I'm not going to reveal this all, even though I can see them. Let's. Uh, even though it was 25 years ago, but I like to you know, preserve some, you know, sanctity here. I'll not spoil things. It's still weird to me, damn it, <laughs> <laughs> and all that. But let's talk about some of the matches we're going to get to review next time. Ooh. We're going to get to see such enjoyments as an early clash of two men who would have a lot of matches going forward. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Is this on Buried Alive? On Buried Alive. Oh, right, okay, okay. Interesting uh, match. Shawn Michaels, by the way, doesn't wrestle on the pay-per-view. Does he not? So, no no WF title match on this show, but also the Buried Alive thing is the main attraction. But right, okay. so we get a, we're going to get a rematch of uh, the Smoking Guns v Bulldog and Owen. Yeah, we know how that'll go. Uh, Mark Merrill will make his only WF pay-per-view title defense of the IC title where he takes on Goldust. Uh, we have Psycho Sid and Vader in a number one contenders match where the winner will go on to Survivor Series to face Sean. Yeah, obviously, wins obviously, we've reviewed Survivor Series, so we know how that goes. And then we have Buried Alive uh, in the main event between yeah. Taker and Mankey. That's the main crux of the show. So, If I remember that match also, it becomes a ginormous clusterfuck. Oh, it's a ginormous clusterfuck. I'm not entirely looking forward to that. I'm, no. not, I'm not the biggest fan of the Buried Alive match. 
No, I'm not like the biggest alive concept. You know? Yeah, very alive. It seems a bit gay. Yeah, like, like <laughs> it's very similar to like the like the issue we had with the, the hog pen, at least the issue I had with it, in that once you leave the ring and go up towards the thing, you need to throw them in. Going going back down to the, the ring or back, back to anywhere else, like down the ramp, seems stupid. Like, if you're going to go up there, stay, stay up there. Stay there and yeah. fight it out. Do your bits, well, everything you want to do in the ring at the start, and then go to the thing. Because, like, I don't, I can't be arsed with people less wondering. Pro, less proper arse-kicking yeah. etiquette, is it? Yeah, like, just like, <laughs> I can't be arsed people rolling around in the dirt, then going back to the ring, and then going back and rolling around the dirt some more. Just pick a fucking spot and fight. Yeah. <laughs> like Grandpa Simpson, we paid for blood. <laughs> I think we Grandpa that said it. The Simpsons. <laughs> we paid for blood. Maybe been Hans Molman even. I don't fucking know anymore. <laughs> I don't know what anything is anymore. I do know this was a hell of a show, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Let us know if you've ever watched me in your mind games. Or how many times have you seen it? Did you really enjoy this match? Would you have liked to have seen maybe Goldust in this spot instead of Mankind? Were you there? Did you know anyone who was there? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Did you, were any of you who's right about Paul's age or even older watching it live at the time? I love that. Paul's age or even older. Thanks, Scott. Thanks no, for that. No, I mean, like, you, like the age that you were at the time when we were an older fan. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to take it again. I'm trying to engage with the people. You're, <laughs> you're making it all about yourself, as per usual. <sighs> ah, Paul is wounded now. <laughs> uh, so, thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed this. And you hope if you haven't listened to them already, go back in, in our back gallery or other in your gaff. Uh, in your house reviews. We call them in your gaff. Fraser or random crap. Other retro reviews. Like, we have reviewed Survivor Series 96, so I'm not going to talk a whole bit a whole much when we get to, like, next in your house and then the one in December. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm not going to talk about, like, the way I talked about SummerSlam just earlier on. So, if you want to hear our thoughts on Survivor Series 96, we'll probably mention them already in a show like this or one of our older shows. But, we definitely talk about it in our Survivor Series 96 review, which is a, we do, one, of my, one of my favourite reviews we've done and one of my favourite shows that we've ever reviewed, personally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It has a weird, like, good match, meh, good match, meh, and then good match again. Yeah. Ebbs and flows, but finishes ah. on a high. Ah. Ah. It finishes on the highest high, especially for the people in New York who just didn't want to see Shawn Michaels be champion. <laughs> They did not like him. No, but they liked the Sid. Yes, they did. We hope you check out our back catalogue on Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, wherever you choose to get a podcast, give a like, rating, review on your platform. Just please be nice about it. Please now, do. Please even, do. even if you weren't the biggest fan, don't, just don't be a dick about it. No, we're 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 likable people. We are. You're simple men. We are, we are simple peoples. And we hope if you enjoy us and you want to follow us, you'll follow us on Twitter at SPRelming or maybe at Rogue underscore Opinions to follow them. We're on their, their feed as well on the same Android podcast dates that I just mentioned. I also do some other stuff over there. So, and Paul yeah. joined me on a watch along on there for Insurrection 2000. We got very drunk. You should just tune into that. You can hear the commentary is very, the volume on the TV is very loud, so you can hear pretty much most of the commentary. So you don't even have to watch the show at the same time. Just listen to us, we'll tell you what you need to know. Yeah, totally. Uh, like, follow me on Twitter at ScottMcLean1996. Uh, like your face page, facebook.com forward slash rambling podcast. Uh, we mentioned Fraser there. We're going to probably go into Fraser next time around to, you know, I think we're going to do another three episodes. It's been a while since we've done Fraser, and season, we're in season six. It's a good season. We've still got some good stuff to come. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you for so thank you for tuning into this episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Hope you look forward to our phase review and whatever else we got coming in the next couple weeks because we're going to eventually get back to main games. 
Uh, we talked about doing another retro review, like three part, like we did previously, or our titles, politics, and history. You can check in the back catalog, but we're got, we're looking for a fun one off one to do before we get back to that. So if you have any suggestions, please let us know on social media. But you know, but Paul, out of everybody on main games, not maybe not Shawn Mega. I think we've done his already. But whose theme song should we play out with? I think. Just putting it out here, I think we should play it with Justin Hawk Bradshaw's theme. I don't even know what Justin Hawk Bradshaw's theme even sounds like. I can't even remember it. That's why it'll be good. It'll be interesting. Okay, then. If I don't like it, I'll maybe just play his JBL theme. Either way, it'll be a Bradshaw-esque theme. Yes. So, we don't we don't know what's in recording, but you're well, about since, to find since out. Since we didn't have it, you could play that fun little in-your-house song. No, that's usually, <laughs> that's usually how our intro this shows. <laughs> Cool. In your house. In your house. <laughs> anyway, we hope you're enjoying your day in your house, whatever it is you're doing. And thank you for making it all the way to the end, because we've clearly lost our damn minds. Yes. <laughs> but until next time when we review Fraser and all sorts of wonderful things, I have been Scott, that was Paul. I've been Paul and he's Scott. And we hope you join us next time and you get out of all on our rambling madness. Yay. Bye-bye. Bye.